Ho, 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 Merry Christmas from the Stacks. It's Jay. And I'm in hell and I'm <laughs> Shanna because I'm not that excited about Christmas and I should have been. Why didn't I listen? Mm, I didn't believe it enough in the right sort of way, just exactly the way Perkle does. <laughs> I don't even get an ironic punishment specific to my sins. I just walk around in the fire. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking a whole bunch about hell. Uh, hell! Hell! Uh, in part two, uh, we, we've got a whole bunch of Ormonds. We're going to do an Ormond roundup, finish off our discussion of that box. But first... This week, we've got a non-Christmassy film. I think it's the second one that has snow. Because oh, okay. I, I had a recollection of snow in these Yakuza Wolf movies, but must be the other one. This one's just murder. Yeah. Uh, the subtitle that is given on the on this Shout Factory disc, I don't know if it's original to the movie. I think the movie is normally just called Yakuza Wolf, but I Perform Murder is a pretty good subtitle that they have for it. <laughs> I mean, in the first three minutes, we've already seen like so four much. people get killed. It's crazy. It starts like a Friday the 13th movie. Uh, <laughs> so super does. 1972, directed by Ryuichi Takamori. And it's crazy. It opens on a sex scene and it's pretty graphic for uh, the, yeah. the Japanese exploitation we've watched. There's not a lot of sex in most of it. Not really. Or it tends it to went... be abstract. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, in the Scorpion films. Yeah, that's right. Like the sex is more, it's usually more of like a metaphor sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's imagistic. You're, you're kind of like having shots. This one, it feels like a sex scene. It's, it's very, I, I would say that this whole movie borrows a lot from American cinema. Or borrows oh. back in a way. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, especially the Man With No Name trilogy, which is perfect since we've just finished watching those. Because there's a fair amount of stuff from those in this. Like the stuff with the broken hands and the wheel and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole His whole gimmick, I thought he was going to be a man with no name for the first half of the movie. I mean, it's weird because we do know his last name fairly early on. It's just we don't get his first name forever. Yeah, and no, they, no one's ever referring to him by name. They just no, say, "Oh, only, it's this guy's son." <laughs> yeah, or, or Himuro's. Yeah, Himuro's son. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the son of Himuro. Uh, it, it's a very long time before we learn that he's Gosuke, but we do eventually. <laughs> but, yeah, but like, it, names are not that important in no. this. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, we don't need to get our Yakuza alliance charts out today. No, uh, the, everybody needs to go. They're all bad. Which They're is a, all bad. I mean, that's kind of... Uh, I, I feel that that's how Goro feels as well. Not so much. I, I think our guy in uh, Battles Without Honor and Humanity, he has a more nuanced view. But Goro also thinks they're all bad, including himself. <laughs> yeah. The emo samurai. <laughs> Who do you think wins between Goro and Sunny Chiba in this movie? I mean, probably Sonny Chiba. <laughs> well, yeah, he gets he he makes inventions eventually. Uh, so yeah, very sweaty, lots of nudity, graphic sex scene, and then 
Someone puts a sword through both of them. <laughs> Straight from Friday the 13th, what is it, one or two? Um, One of them, anyway. Two, I want to say, because one is the ha, has the thing with the arrow going up. That's through. it. I, I think it's two, and they did it again in one of the sequels. <laughs> Because I mean, well, this came classic. out way before it. This of did that. it first, yeah. This yeah. this clearly did it before them. So hey, you know, kudos for having a fucking Jason kill in 1972. This is mm-hmm. a slasher movie with Sonny Chiba as the slasher, <laughs> the Yakuza even... as the deadbeats. <laughs> He's even got his like badass uh, slasher killer outfit, which is kind of just the man with no name like he does have the same silhouette as eastwood in in, as especially in like was it high plains drifter that we watched i want to say high plains drifter because he's got the long coat in that one i think Uh, whereas usually he's got the poncho yeah because it's it's the the one where he seems to be an avenging ghost Mm -hmm. yeah that he has that feel in this he really does (laughs) so first yeah, we've got the sex scene and the Jason kill, and it's very bloody, by the way. The the oh, kills yeah. in this are hilariously bloody. In in keeping with the slasher. <laughs> this is a proto-slasher. <laughs> so next one, there's we, we cut to just a blue Mustang speeding <laughs> after this dude in a suit and just like a big open lot. <laughs> <laughs> Boobs, kill, car, kill. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy gets hit by a car, he rolls on the hood, the it, it turns, it runs over his hand very graphically. Extremely good effect for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of people's hands getting fucked up in this. Yeah, it is a theme in the Chiba films, actually. Because, like, I watched another one in Volume 2, and there's some really fun severed hand bits. Uh, and, and they do, like, speed ramping with it. So, like, you have it just go suddenly really slow as the katana goes across and then you just see a hand slowly traveling off the side of the screen rules <laughs> great oh yeah the um maki's rival in the sunny chiba movie 13 steps of maki he had his hands get fucked up yeah they destroy his hands with the flower thing yeah weird. Uh, it's, it's kind of a theme so we cut to a yakuza meeting there it's like Someone is going after our dudes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't suppose it would be somebody from the Himuro clan, do you? I mean, nah. it couldn't be. They're all losers. There's just no one left there. We took out all the main guys. <laughs> They're like, it's probably an assassin hired by a Gucci from Koyuke, who's our other main Yakuza group. The the almost friendly one. <laughs> He's still going to kill them all. <laughs> yeah. He he kind of teams up with them for a little bit. A so couple that he times. Can kill. Yeah. They, they just have to kill more people, though. They have a shared objective. They're both against the other group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're like, you know what? We'll just preemptively exterminate all of Koyuke. Uh, they're, they're much smaller than us. We've got the backing of this other group. We'll just take all of them out, just in case it's from him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, this is a kind of thing that he's trying to do. This is Gosuke's plan. He wants them yeah. to take out each other so he doesn't have to do all of it. <laughs> and then the cop has this pl- exact same plan, but <laughs> with a with one more level on top of it. 
Right. He just which, wants to take the credit. Uh, right. He's doing Death Wish 2, which is kind of incredible. I think this is, yeah, this is a whole decade before Death Wish 2. So oh, shit. <laughs> they, did that, they did it first. Oh, man. <laughs> this is pe- uh, like, this is a peak action movie. If you had told me it came out in like the mid 80s, I'd believe you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, th- this has the sort of flavor of something like McBain, but mm-hmm. much more aggressive. Like, there, you don't have that kind of sexuality in McBain, where you just get the crisp nod at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a couple of the dudes leave. Low-level Yakuza guys. And one of the dudes is like, man, I don't want to die for the sake of duty or humanity. <laughs> this is all <laughs> bullshit. And... Uh, they're they're going across uh, an intersection, and the Humuro office is like, or where the Humuro offices used to be, are right across the way, being replaced by this massive rec center. And it's like, man, I bet he didn't expect that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is this where we flash back to the raid? Um, I think it's or... a little bit later because oh, okay. it's uh, uh when uh Chiba's talking to the guy. Oh, okay, right, right. So one of the dudes gets sniped. Just we we don't even hear or anything. He just falls and then oh, there's yeah. blood. It's great. That's right. So much. So many of these kills are just holes just appear in people without any sound. It's kind of rad. Like it's again, awesome. I, it's it's a uh, it it increases his menace. It makes him a very scary character. He just magically kills you, and you have no idea it's coming. But he's so relentless. Yeah, we haven't even seen him yet. We've just seen his handiwork. Yeah, we've just seen people die by his hand. So uh, there's this guy, Yano, is the one who runs. I think the guy who gets sniped is named Asami. So uh, they run for, he runs for cover. There's a shipyard nearby and he runs into someone he recognizes and he says, it's you, Himuro's (laughs) son. Yeah, hmm. Yano shouldn't be happy to see Himuro's son, considering in the in the meeting he just talked about how he killed the Yano or the the Himuro clan. Yeah, I I I think this guy is former Himuro. Oh, okay. And, and the Himuro are kind supposed of... to know that he fucked him. Well, I think it's that he has ended up just kind of being folded into this other group because there's no family for him to belong to. Oh, okay. Uh, I I like the way they reveal him. Again, it's a slow reveal, but it's exactly like an Eastwood reveal. It's so Eastwood. (laughs) you, You start on the legs, you travel up the back to the head, you know, the, the <laughs> duster, cowboy hat. He wears a cowboy <laughs> hat. I mean, come on. It's, it's so great. And yeah, he's got his face. He's got his great goatee. This is sort of a classic Chiba look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is where we flash back. So the Onomas raid the shit out of the Himuro and they take basically everybody out, including yeah. his father. Yeah, yeah, and there's a big, huge splash of blood on the uh, Himuro sign coming from the father. Right, they I shoot really him like, in the fucking head. <laughs> yeah, I like how they they do this raid. It's just like violence against black background. 
It's very cool. I, I love the dynamic camera of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it will just like go completely sideways. You will follow people tumbling completely over uh, very <laughs> wild camera movements, uh, especially in these opening sequences. And the battles in this are gnarly. They're so crazy. <laughs> yep. So the main thing, the father is killed and the sister, Kyoko, is abducted yeah uh so i'm just remembering what happens to her oh fuck it's brutal it's uh so bad <laughs> this is a very harsh movie but again it's so fast like it is under 90 minutes and it just runs i i seriously thought that at one point i was like all right this is it this is the final showdown we've killed all the other yakuza and now he has to fight the boss I've got an hour left in this movie still. Yeah, yeah, it goes so crazy. It, it, like, we're 30 minutes in, like, oh, uh, we've done most of this. And, like, well, he's got to kill all the Yakuza, though. <laughs> yeah, he's just killed the one clan so far. <laughs> yeah, there's other people to exterminate. There's also a sequel. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we go back to the present, and he and Yano have walked over to the ruins of where their home was. There's just sort of an empty lot there. Mm -hmm. And Yano's like apologizing to him and he lies to him because we know we saw him leave the meeting and he was mm -hmm. with this other guy that he sniped. So he should know better than to try this excuse. But he's like, <laughs> oh, I've been working as a longshoreman. Yeah, <laughs> he sure is dressed like one with his suit. Oh, sure. <laughs> He's got that <laughs> longshoreman look to him. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's thinking trying to pull that off, but he's like, he's doing a hostage negotiation thing where he's like, oh, you know, my wife and kid would sure be sad to see me go. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, and, she yeah. was like, oh yeah, take care yeah, sure. of your wife and kid. Yeah, and he turns around and he obviously stabs him straight through. It's <laughs> uh, so harsh. He like just tells the guy like, yeah, take care of your wife and kid and then kills him. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. You you go along. <laughs> Get you. And he does that a couple times in this movie. It's one of his things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's very much a... Like Arnold in Commando, like, I told you I'd kill you last. I lied. <laughs> Remember what I said I'd kill you last? Yes, Matrix, yes, you did! <laughs> <laughs> so, we, we get Chibo walking along a lake at sunset. Beautiful orange tones. He's got the duster, he's got the hat. He looks kind of like Scorpion, and he looks a lot like Eastwood. He yeah, <laughs> and, and he stops midway through this field so that he can face the camera for the title shot. Yeah, yak is a wolf. So fucking cool, epic. Fucking, this should be a more iconic movie, it really <laughs> especially should. because of all the things that other movies have done that are much more famous than. How it. have I it, never heard of this? Yeah, th that's how I felt when I watched this when the set came out. It's like, how has this one never been talked about? Uh, it's it's just totally unknown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he goes after Anima first, but he's got bulletproof windows. There's he just tries to do a drive by on the highway and he shoots, but it the the windows bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. 
which is interesting. Just him kind of showing his hand. We uh, his his very familiar and distinct blue Mustang that he's brought from America. <laughs> yeah, they don't have these in Japan, really. <laughs> <laughs> or, it stands or, I mean, out. They do, but you, you got you got to get one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a difficult thing at this time. You know, the it, it's we're sort of getting into the post-war economic miracle era, I guess. So things getting are starting there. to rebuild, but. You're not seeing a bunch of Mustangs traveling, a bunch of American muscle cars roaming the streets. <laughs> I don't think you see that in Japan in any point in its history, really. Yeah, not so much. I mean, there are collectors. Obviously, sure, there sure. is a big... I mean, you, have you ever seen Tokyo Drift? <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't. <laughs> uh, I kind of like that one. It's. I think it's usually everyone's most hated in that series, but it's all right <laughs> all right <laughs> anyway uh there's a bit where he sneaks up on some yakuza and he gets him to drive him to anima he's like all right uh, <laughs> take me to your boss he's like i don't think that's a good idea he'll kill me he's like i'll kill you <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I might as well have just said take me to the boss and i'll let you live I lied. <laughs> yeah. The guy makes a break for it as soon as they get there and he shoots him with a silencer. So notably he has a silencer on his gun. We we see that he's we see him screwing it on. Mm -hmm. Uh makes him a little more menacing. Uh, his uh, uh, like you say, his shot will just come and someone will just fall over dead and then everybody will realize that they're under attack. Yeah, they'll just like <laughs> have holes in them now. Yeah. So he's sneaking around the building and he runs into the cop. <laughs> <laughs> the cop who, he doesn't even get a name. Well, I, I don't I think, I could not find it. I, I really couldn't find it anywhere. Um, nope. But I, I love the the dialogue in this movie. Everybody's very, it, it's kind of like La, La Casa Que Arche de Noche with the, or uh, De Noche uh, with the, <laughs> the smell of ass line. Oh. <laughs> everybody yeah everybody's line is such a line it's uh yeah always sniffing around other people's business and the cop's like of course i love the smell of filthy garbage <laughs> <laughs> but i don't care about missing persons i only take cases that get me promotions yeah i only take cases that get me promotions <laughs> Uh, and he's like, look, I arrested him, Rose Killer. It, it was, there was just this one guy. And he's like, come on. You know that that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I mean, it was probably just some random guy that they uh, uh, threw away for it. But that's the business. <laughs> <laughs> but he drops a bomb on him. It's like, so have you seen your sister yet? Yeah. And he's like, what? She's alive? I yeah. don't know. He's like, oh, I don't know. I mean... I would have to assume <laughs> this is where he's, he drives like, I'm not in charge of missing persons. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. She probably got sold into sex slavery somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of what happens. Yeah. I mean, that, whatever. That's, that's what you do. Uh, I don't deal with that shit. And also it's like, I'm pretty sure you've been doing all these <laughs> <laughs> daylight massacres of Yakuza all over the place. And it's like, but that's cool. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, keep it on the down low. Like again, it's the Death Wish Two deal. Like, all right, <laughs> you keep on killing them, but 
if it gets too public yeah i was never involved you don't know me <laughs> <laughs> i love his partner is all like are you sure he's the one doing the killing it's like oh he's 100 percent the one doing the <laughs> killing like, yeah, he's he's the guy. I I mean, if I <laughs> if I get too involved in this, I might end up being one of the bodies. So we're just gonna lag back. It's cool. Grab some popcorn <laughs> while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. So we have this group of really gross comical yakuza. These four guys. I thought these guys were going to factor in a lot more than they did. Yeah, they all get killed, but it's not even much of a deal. Like, no. I, most of them don't have names and they just kind of get killed in group scenes. Yeah. Like the only guy that kind of has a personality is the lollipop guy. Yeah. And he, he gets grabbed a couple times. Mm-hmm. So, cause he's the, he's the, maybe the grossest one. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, so they're, they're outside a bar and they grab this woman and they, take her into a car to gang rape her. Uh, and Chiba is there. He's lurking nearby and he does not stop it at all. He yeah, At no point does he step in. No, he is watching. He knows this is happening and he's just watching. He's waiting for it because he is going to see what they do with her because they know, or he he's aware that they're going to press her into sex slavery. So it's like, well, I'll just wait for them to <laughs> let's see where they take her. Yeah, let's see where they take her and then I can uh, find my way from there. I guess it's not a great plan. No, but there's know. a lot of assumptions within it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it ends up working, I think. <laughs> well, it takes a long time. True. It's it's a circuitous route. <laughs> so afterward like we, we have the whole comical thing. There's their leader who sends them all outside while he's at it. And then one of the guys immediately orgasms. And then the lollipop guy, he just comes in his pants before, like when the other guy comes. When they did, when they were like going to rape her and they had that look on that face, I thought they had just realized they got shot. I right. thought bullet holes <laughs> were going to appear in them. And no. Yeah, but they're going. <laughs> But no, yeah, it's a I came in my pants video yep. thing. Yep. <laughs> so kind of gross. And then they all go into the bar to celebrate. And they're they're weird. They are comedy Yakuza, except they're really gross. And we just they're, saw them all involved in a gang rape. Then they're like joking with the bartender about it. It's like, oh, man, I wish you guys would find a girl for me to gang rape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, very gross. So Chiba sits down at the end of the bar. Scotch. Uh, scotch. Uh, and the bartender just keeps talking to them. They're having their conversation about the gang rape, and they're really involved in it. It's a lot of fun, and yeah. Chiba throws an ice pick. <laughs> <laughs> right in between the bartender's fingers. <laughs> so one of the Yakuza steps up to Chiba and is immediately knocked down, and someone just <laughs> runs in. <laughs> it's... It's so funny because you don't even see Chiba's hands move. You just see like a POV shot of the Yakuza just falls down. Yeah, he just like goes down and someone like runs out of the back room, Mr. Ishiguro. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Everybody back down. (laughs) This guy's a protagonist, man. You don't want to fuck with him. Yeah, like, hey, uh, just just step back. Uh, You guys all leave. Let's not. Truth is, I'm like, you, you, go, you worried about maybe losing face? Like, no, no, no. 
There's, there's much worse things than losing face here. <laughs> you, you just head on down. We've got business to take care of. So uh, Chiba and Ishiguro, they sit down. They send each other drinks. <laughs> and then they each make the bartender <laughs> drink their drink. Yeah, because they don't really trust them and they can't get intoxicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this poor bartender's like disappears behind the counter after this. <laughs> yeah, he's hammered. He has like two very big drinks. Mm-hmm. So Chiba's like, I want to find this girl that they were just trafficking. Uh, what, what do you know about it? Give, give me some deets. And uh, one of the sex workers in the bar shows up and she sort of spirits him away. So this is Seiko, his love uh, interest, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know how interested he is. <laughs> She's interested. She's so interested. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, she's just going on and on. Well, first they're having like super rough sex. Yeah, again, like the opening, a very graphic sex scene. Pretty long, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite into handmaiden territory, but it's it's there. Yeah. And then Afterwards, she's like asking him why he's so rough. And he's like, oh, it must be revenge. Uh, you, you've you been done wrong. You're all eaten up by this revenge in you. And she's just monologuing his whole backstory or her, her ideas of his motivation. He is just <laughs> sitting there non-responsive the entire yeah, time. Yeah, I thought he was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, he just like starts having sex with her again. But she's like, oh, you remind me of my uh, my uh, Yakuza lover who died and how wonderful he was and how tragic it is that he's dead. And that's why I'm in this business. I can't. Uh, why do you keep making me fall in love with you? <laughs> like, is he sitting there? <laughs> yeah. And like you're asking you've been asking questions about the business, but you don't have the eyes of a cop. You have the eyes of a killer. <laughs> and she like snuggles up close to him. He's like, oh no, I'm starting to like you. <laughs> and, and he's doing like, <laughs> nothing to nothing. seduce her. <laughs> Absolutely zero. He is just laying on his back. Motionless. Like. <sighs> so ultimately he recognizes a medallion that's hanging on her headboard, which belonged to his sister. We get a flashback seeing it on her neck when she's being kidnapped. Yeah, and it takes a few tries asking her about it because she's still in the whole playing the flirtatious game thing until he slaps her. Yeah, he's like, no, no, this is really serious. I need to know where this came from. This is something important to me. So she does say who gave it to her. It's the lollipop guy, that fucking idiot. idiot. (laughs) (laughs) We we see him walking around town, licking a lollipop, looking like an utter fool. <laughs> Dude acts like a child. He's he's one of those yeah. man child characters. Yeah, that you weirdly get in these yakuza groups. You know, really low yeah. level crappy guy who's sort of along the side. I guess it's sort of a, it's like in I Spit on Your Grave that one of the group of rapists is a mentally challenged man. Or like and the so, that's a troubling element in that movie. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a troubling element to this movie too. It is a troubling element in this movie. Uh, so <laughs> he, he he beats him up a little bit. He roughs him up. He pushes him up against a wall and smashes the lollipop in his face. 
Oh, not the lollipop. No. So he gets out of him. Novelty one. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So he, he gets that the pendant came from Mr. Shimizu. Uh, that Shimizu is the one who raped her first. Okay, right. And that's where it came from. So then he just lets him go because he knows he can follow him to the other guys immediately. <laughs> <laughs> what, what this guy, this guy's not going to be able to pick up Chiba's tail. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, probably not. So those four guys get assigned to go get revenge for all the deaths. They're sent to one of the Koyuke territory bars because they still haven't clocked on the other end that there's this Gosuke guy in town, even though he's been showing up publicly in a few places. He beat up these particular guys. <laughs> and he's got the attention of the uh, the hired hand. Yeah, uh, Ishiguro. So we got a, a big chaotic bar brawl. Uh, one of the Kayuke guys gets stabbed, and then they all take off. Right. Uh, so Iguchi is the boss on the other end of the, of Koyuke. And he's like, no, no, don't go back after them. We can't beat these guys. <laughs> they're, they're just going to freaking murder us. <laughs> There's, they have, uh, the backing of the Seisho. I think it's Seisho. I don't know. I put away my, my Alliance yeah. chart because I'm something like don't that. need it here. It, it, yeah. He's backed by a bigger family. Yeah, it's Saishokan or something like that. The Onomas, they're backed by them. And these guys coming in and stabbing one of our guys and taking off. This is the most obvious trap imaginable. Come on, guys. <laughs> Please. Yeah. And they're like, but we'll lose face. <laughs> but a solution walks in the door. It's Gosuke. <laughs> walks right in the front door. He <laughs> strolls right in and is like, hey, guys, I have some ideas about killing your enemies. <laughs> How serious are you about killing Anima? Really? <laughs> like, you better act quick or you're going to lose face. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like goading him on. <laughs> a couple of them get offended and they uh, like come in to attack him and he just does a huge slash. He disarms all of them. He takes the blade and just throws it back to Aguchi. It's like all one motion. It's like, come on, guys, please. Let's not even. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I figure it would be really great if you guys would just go do a raid on Onimo because I want to do it, but it's a lot of work and I'm just one guy. So if you guys <laughs> did it, it would save me a lot of trouble. There's a bunch of you. <laughs> You're going to help us do the raid on Onimo, though, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll think about it. It's like, well, who up. are you anyway? <laughs> it's like, well, listen, yeah, knowing my name is not going to help expand your organization. <laughs> <laughs> so he does convince them. They go on a raid. <laughs> he does tag along. He's mm -hmm. just kind of hanging in the back. Yeah. He's kind of killing stragglers, but from both sides. <laughs> <laughs> just to stoke the fight. <laughs> Like there, there's uh, one guy from Kuyuke. He he takes a wrong turn around like a pile of wood, and he just like pops up and slashes him. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So there's a full-scale hit. Uh, they hide out in a hearse, and they pop out with a bunch of machine guns. Oh, yeah, they... right. Yeah, it's it's a pretty solid raid. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> and Chiba isn't e- even... An, uh, he doesn't join the group. He's like on a fire escape watching from a high perspective. Yeah. Uh, and there's just massive gun and sword carnage. Again, there are a few scenes like this where it is huge Yakuza wars just in the street. Yeah, just forget about trying to keep track of what's happening. It's just blood, violence, kill, stab, bullet. Yeah, so uh, Chiba comes down and he helps the last couple dudes of uh, the Koyuke clan escape. Uh, among the Maguchi, the leader, yeah. of course. <laughs> I like this bit when they're hiding out. It's like, oh man, we're saved! And I just imagine Clint Eastwood saying this line, don't be so sure. You don't yeah. know who I am. Yeah, it, it is exactly... Uh, there's a lot of good, the bad, and the ugly in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so he he's like i'm gonna sell you guys back to onama now that uh it's just the two of you i i've got the drop on you i've got a gun and i mean what are you two, you two wounded guys gonna do <laughs> <laughs> so the the first of a couple weird meetings of hostage exchanges we've got a few of these in this movie this is the one in the tire yard oh yeah so there is obviously an ambush, but yeah. Chiba is waiting for it with the sniper rifle in some tires, and he pops <laughs> up and takes out all of them. Yep. <laughs> and there's just uh, Gosuke, Onuma, and Ishiguro left standing, pretty yeah. much. Like, Iguchi's in there somewhere. But not really. Yeah, and Onuma yells at Ichiguro to shoot him. Like to to shoot Gosuke. Yeah. And each girl's kind of like, I don't get paid enough for this, actually. <laughs> you aren't my boss. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. You're not the <laughs> you're not the boss of me. <laughs> it literally says, You aren't my boss, and he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Screw you. So Ona was like, uh, I'll give you a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm begging you. But we see like, from the flashback yeah. that he has the same classes as the guy who uh the guy who kidnapped Kyoko. Yeah, we know he's the guy. Yeah. So uh he, he's she was like, Yeah, okay, I'll spare your life. Uh <laughs> if you tell me about what's going on with my sister. I, I'm trying to find my sister, so if you know anything about that, maybe I can spare your life. And he's like I, I don't know anything. I, I've never heard of your sister. <laughs> <laughs> and then after being stared down a little bit more, he admits like, okay, it's true. I did rape her. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm right. sorry about it. <laughs> right. When he gets down on his knees, <laughs> and he's like, I'm really sorry about all this. But then he like just keeps going into more graphic detail about it. And he's like, and I'm sorry that I did that. You're going to yeah, save yeah, me, she- right? And goes, okay, he has a flashback, or not a flashback, he sort of has a vision of the rape, and he ultimately gets that he was given to Izumi, and that she's probably in his secret club. Ah, uh, yeah, the secret club. And he's like, okay, go now. <laughs> <laughs> and Onuma gets up, and he runs like five steps and is shot in the head. 
<laughs> and then we see him like uh, just dead bent over a guard railing <laughs> yeah he falls on a guardrail and he's just like face down over that and Iguchi walks up or no no not, not Iguchi the cop the cop, the cop was like up. what a piece of shit you were yeah you deserve to die this way maybe one day I'll end up like this <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it is uh, him I, 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 I think it was the sure. cop and not Iguchi but it could have been Iguchi because Iguchi does pop up later on and has yeah. more to do. Uh, actually, it, it is hard to see, though, because it's a silhouette. It might have been Ishiguro, actually. Oh, maybe it is Ishiguro. Yeah. It could have uh, been anyway. any of them. It yeah. made sense yeah. for any of them. Yeah, any character makes sense for this moment. <laughs> other than Chiba. Yep. So he goes to the marina, and he gets arrested for Onuma's murder. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we finally get his name that he's Gosuke because he's getting processed at the police station of course it's our uh, corrupt cops who are doing the processing yeah and they're we're here to give him some more information check in uh it's like hey could you give me some pointers about this secret club belonging to Izumi listen I got a deal deal to propose to you uh, let me finish my work first, and then you don't have to arrest a bunch of guys, because they'll all be dead. You just have to arrest one. <laughs> yeah, but the guy you're arresting will be the guy who killed all the Yakuza. Think of the promotion you're going to get. Yeah, come on. Well, won't this be perfect for you? I'm like, hmm, you make a good point. <laughs> <laughs> the cop is like, like, no hesitation. The cop's like, yeah, actually, this is a great deal. Yeah, that, that's actually fantastic. Uh <laughs> Because he's like, I, I got to kill Izumi. He's like, oh, you're going to take out another boss? Well, yeah, I agree. That's good. <laughs> I'm just so on board with this. <laughs> so Iguchi stakes out Izumi's house with a sniper rifle. Uh, he's watching the daughter come and go. Right, because he's got like this school-aged daughter. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be in high school and he's got sort of a plan to kidnap her, but she's very heavily guarded. Uh -huh. And Chiba pops up and he's like, hey, leave it alone until I'm done. I've got <laughs> important work to do here. <laughs> then Chiba goes to see Ishiguro again. And Ishiguro's like, man, just let it go. Uh, you don't want to find your sister at this point. Uh, she's going to be in a state that you're not going to want to find her in. Yeah, and she was like, well, no, I gotta find my sister. Yeah, I gotta find my sister. There's really no uh, other option here. And they get in a fight over it in the little, in the dark piano bar. Great locations in this, by the way. I haven't really mentioned mm. the visual style, but it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And a lot of neon, a lot of dark, mm -hmm. a lot of light, points of light. Yeah, uh, Ishiguro kicks his ass, actually. Yeah, he wrecks up his hand. Uh, oh. Again, hand damage. Uh, he yep. gets both of his hands wrecked up in this. And he's fucking defeated. It's <laughs> <This is> interesting. <laughs> but of course, he just wakes up with Psycho again. <laughs> yeah, she's like nursed him back to health. and uh, She's fully decided she's in love with him now. <laughs> yeah, and she, you know, <laughs> telling more of her life story. He's just kind of sitting there like... Not, he's still I, not reacting yeah. <laughs> again laying there not responding she gives him the pendant she's sort of been filled in on some of his backstory 
and she has been looking up information like she's actually uh, been working for him in the background and she has information about the secret club to give him. Mm-hmm. She has the address. Uh, she got it from Ishiguro, she ultimately says. <laughs> the place is really weird, the secret club. Strange location. Very eerie. Very. It feels like the like the, in the sex scene flashback in Scorpion. It feels like it could have happened in this place. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a really, it's like if you combined eyes wide shut with train spotting. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of grody, very yellow light. Uh, yeah, and it's sort of cave like walls. The walls seem like a cave, mm-hmm. like rock walls rather than. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like a typical building. Uh, there's like live sex shows all over the place. People are just fucking on the floor. He's like stepping Big over them. And, you know, uh, BDSM stuff. There's people yeah. hanging in chains, people being whipped. Uh, everybody is drugged, heavily drugged or all of the, all of the ladies. Mm-hmm. And he does locate his sister and she is just catatonic. Please sleep with me. Yeah, sleep with me. Sleep with me. She's uh, become kind of just a drugged sex zombie. Uh, the basically the thing that Ishiguro was kind of trying to prepare him for. Mm-hmm. And uh, he <laughs> doesn't really know what to do about this. <laughs> yeah, he just escapes with her. He's like, okay, well, I guess I'll take you out of here. I don't have any kind of emotional capabilities. I'm I'm more of a solve problems by killing kind of person. I don't, I don't really know how to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tries yeah. to slap some sense into her. That totally does not work. Not at all. Not at all. She's, she's probably used to being slapped. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Uh, yeah, she he tries talking to her, like telling her, telling her, "Hey, it's me. I'm your brother." And she just does not hear him. Yeah, he gives the medal back, and he lets her out at this really busy intersection. And she, it, it's like the next morning, so she's had some time for some of the drugs to wear off, I guess. And she sort of is aware of who she is now. A little bit, uh, but <laughs> but fuck, she. So she's walking. And I seriously thought, like, she goes over this overpass at first. I thought she was going to jump off. And I was totally. like, Totally. And then she doesn't. I'm like, Okay, good. The movie isn't that mean. And then she gets then hit she, by a fucking car. <laughs> well, she, she goes over the overpass and she spends some time contemplating. She's looking yeah. down at the traffic and it does really feel like she's going to jump. But then she walks down to the other side and steps into traffic instead. Yeah. And, and it does seem like she's maybe going to be killed, but they do take her away to a hospital. And it's like, this is how she's going to get care, is she's going to forcibly get care. And uh, we, we cut back to him watching, he's like, mm, this is all I can do for you. <laughs> I don't know how to do much else. <laughs> yep, drives yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of her in the story. Yeah, I mean, he rescued her, sort of, as sort as well of. as he can within his capabilities. <laughs> he managed to not get her killed, maybe. Yeah. So Iguchi, he's going hard now. He he ha- he's sort of got carte blanche. He goes after. <laughs> he abducts Izumi's daughter. He just hits the bodyguards with a wrench. Uh, <laughs> full berserker. Yep. 
<laughs> and Gosuke comes to see him. Uh, and Aguchi is holding him at gunpoint. He smashes his other hand. So now he's got neither hand workable anymore. Yeah, I don't quite get why Aguchi did this, but whatever. <laughs> I, I feel like Aguchi is rightfully concerned about uh, uh, Gosuke's allegiances, that he definitely will kill him. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So Iguchi sets up a big exchange. Again, big hostage exchange situation. <laughs> this one's fucking crazy. This one is like... <laughs> this is the most 80s peak action thing ever. I can't believe it's 72. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's on the newly acquired land that Izumi just got. Uh, and he shows up with a real massive presence. He's got the that whole other family backing him. He, he, sh he shows up with his entire army. Yeah, yeah, like, this is everybody. All the Yakuza are here now. And Aguchi shows up in a dump truck, and he <laughs> turns it around, revealing, tied to an I-beam cross in the back, <laughs> is Izumi's daughter. That's crazy! Like, the image of that, him turning around in the dump truck with her on a crucifix it's like whoa <laughs> words cannot describe the pain you, that she must have felt being nailed to that cross well, she's not nailed, no, she's she is, tied up. She, she is tied but it's yeah. it's crazy <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> so izumi is now willing to bargain it's like i'll give you all of the old onoma territory you can just have it i don't need it you can have that you start a new family it's like I'm the only guy. <laughs> Everybody else is dead. What am I going to do with all this land? And of course, there's a bunch of gunmen. They they pop up and start shooting. He gets driven under the truck, mm -hmm. uh, and one of the one of like some random yagaza pops up and gets her off of the cross. But uh, he takes him out as he's getting away. Yeah. So Gucci, he's he gets back into the truck. He tries to run over a bunch of dudes shooting at him. <laughs> it's total fucking chaos. Again, massive Yakuza war in just like a gravel pit. <laughs> and meanwhile, we've got like we occasionally cut to Sunny Chiba setting up like wily coyote dynamite. <laughs> well, he's got his gun set up on a wheel at an elevated vantage point. Like he's also. Yeah, he blows up the truck with a bunch of dynamite. <laughs> yeah, he blows... <laughs> he and it's a gigantic explosion. It's insane. Yeah, and he, he creates, like, this ring of fire to trap all the Yakuza inside. <laughs> yeah, so he can gun them down from his gun wheel. Yeah, he makes, like, this gun turret that he activates with his string because his fingers don't work. Yeah, so he, he has a turret that he can just, like, turn it on the wheel. It's a shotgun. Lots of clever uh, ways to get around the broken hands. <laughs> I, I feel like Breaking Bad stole this idea in a later season. Oh, uh, interesting. A little, a little different, but it reminds me of something that he would do. Yeah, I could see that. I might be past what I've seen. I never finished watching that show. I really need to. <laughs> it's pretty good. So yeah, uh, the huge fucking explosion uh, after Gucci gets out of the truck of course uh, yeah because he's still sort of working with him uh all of Izumi's men are trapped between these walls of fire and they're just fucking machine gunning just dozens of yakuza the, the body count <laughs> in this is unbelievable <laughs> and Ishiguro sneaks up 
Uh, but of course, Gosuke has a mirror on his wheel thing. He's got like a full, you know, console. So he turns around and he shoots him. Uh, and Ishiguro does die. Yep. Uh, but he uh, also, it sort of helpfully, he points towards Izumi escaping. It's like, don't let him get away, though. <laughs> I think Ishiguro's deal is sort of weird in this, that he kind of has to go after him, even though he clearly has no interest in doing so. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 the, he's only a villain when he's on the clock. He's one of those yeah. types. Yeah. So uh, Izumi is in a garden somewhere and he seems to kill Iguchi. He shoots him. Gucci's like on the ground. But mm-hmm. then Gosuke shows up. Oh yeah, right. I love and this bit. I, who are you? I've never even seen you before. <laughs> he doesn't even know who he is. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this guy has just been killing his entire organization. He has never heard of him. Has no idea who he is. Son of Himaru, what the fuck? <laughs> and he can't fire a gun, so yeah. he's just uh, like he's got two broken hands, but he puts his foot on Iguchi's gun <laughs> and just sort of steadies and aims it. Cause Iguchi is like dying, but has his gun lying on a rock. He points it and Iguchi shoots Izumi. Yeah. So they both get the revenge. <laughs> <sighs> so the die, like Iguchi dies, but he also shoots shoots Izumi and then Gosuke he takes the gun it's got the string and the trigger and he shoots him 12 more times (laughs) (laughs) empties the friggin clip (laughs) and starts stabbing him too outstanding Uh, I wonder if he dies (laughs) oh oh, right and it takes him so many times to fall down because like the force from the bullets, every time he gets shot, it like knocks him upwards and makes him stand yeah, up right. A few again. more steps, he just keeps going, just twelve times. Ba boom, ba boom. The guy who won't fucking fall down. And then he stabs him through, and then we just see him walk through a public square, and he looks and sees the cop. And they nod at each other. It's much like <laughs> the ending of McBain. He's like, "Yep, we did it." <laughs> the end uh yeah it's nuts this one's ridiculous man absolutely insane movie so that was my first sunny chiba movie a good place to start i gotta say like it's (laughs) certainly not one of the more well-known ones which is Uh, weird it should be way better known how did this not gain traction over here it's crazy. It's the same thing as the peak action ones that we've talked about, like McBain or Stone Cold, oh, which yeah. are both total failures. It's like, how? What What went wrong with society that those movies could slip through the cracks? But yeah, good point. They did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just a total great time. Very stylish, great mm-hmm. visuals, uh, and the action is totally nuts. Totally fucking nuts. I, I just, I love his outfit. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, very Eastwoody. He's totally got that uh, man with no name vibe. I wasn't expecting him to curb Eastwood in a Yakuza film. I I didn't think that would happen. It's cool because it's it sort rules. of a feedback loop because you know Eastwood and the 
the Man With No Name trilogy, those are borrowed from Kurosawa in the first place. (laughs) And those became really successful in Japan and made a bunch of money for Kurosawa because he sued and got all the Japanese distribution rights because they didn't credit him. (laughs) So they were really big and successful there. So I think he's like directly and actively riffing on uh, that persona, which is cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like... Like we didn't talk much about his lines because he doesn't talk much. But there most, are very few. Yeah, most of what he says could be an Eastwood line. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely doing an Eastwood or like that era of Eastwood kind of character, stripped down, uh, mysterious, po- possibly a ghost. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not so much in why... this one. <laughs> well, it's not explained why he's so good at fighting and shooting. Yeah, I don't know where he was. (laughs) I have no idea what it was he was doing. I think he was supposed to be away in America, but I don't know what he was, what his deal was. He was training in in... the Rockies. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he came back from his training in the Rockies. Uh, (laughs) But that doesn't work because his sister's definitely not Maki. Well, he's got more (laughs) than one sister, but he only ever talks about one at a time. I guess so. I guess. The other one's... uh, Sister from another mother or something. <laughs> well, no, in this one, Maki has to be in the photograph. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That'd be great. That would be really funny if there was some Sonny Chiba movie where he's talking about his sister who's, you know, back in, in Japan and while he's doing his training here. Just have <laughs> a photo of Maki. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so, do you have any last thoughts on Yakuza Wolf uh, before we move on to our extended part two? I think we've oh. got a lot to talk about there. Oh, so what do you think? Is uh, is the Yakuza Wolf going to go to hell? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't think I mean, think by Perkle's he... definition, yes, but... Yeah, I, I feel like he's non-Christian, yeah. non-Baptist. <laughs> I you, guess you need to be takes. a very specific type of Christian to... Yeah. Uh, get into heaven there there's priests in in hell in some of these movies (laughs) (laughs) they're in on a technicality yeah oh man this is gonna be great uh all right well on to part two and we're back for part two where we're gonna be talking about all the rest of the ormond films from the uh was it from uh hollywood to heaven the name of the box from hollywood to heaven (laughs) the lost and saved films of the ormond family a really great box from indicator i mean i don't like most of these movies but i was fascinated by these movies they were really interesting oh there there's stuff to talk about but no i don't I don't know if I like even really a single one of them (laughs) Uh, i would say there's a few i don't dislike I'd say there's two that I like. Uh, one of the ones we we're going to be talking about today, and one of the ones we talked about last time. I re- I like the exotic ones. I think the exotic ones is genuinely pretty fun. Uh, out of and... all of them, that's actually the one I remember the least. That's fair. I mean, it, 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 that was one that you didn't take any notes on, and we we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants so we didn't get too deep into any of those ones i think right (laughs) uh i like that one a lot uh and i like uh it's about the second coming a whole lot (laughs) that one's interesting we i've got a lot of notes on that one so we'll we'll get pretty into that i think 
Uh, but first, of our seven, God's number, by the way, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got The Burning Hell, the second of our three Perkle features, and maybe the best one. Uh, um, I think it's Perkle at his best. I don't think it's the best of the yeah, three I Perkle mean, movies. It feels like Perkle distilled down to his essence. It feels like it is clearly his favorite topic. It's what he really wants to talk about. When we get to Believer's <laughs> Heaven, he's just talking about hell again, mostly. <laughs> he spends probably a good 50 to 60% of Believer's Heaven uh, yeah. talking about people who aren't and won't go to heaven. Yeah, and just also talking about all the sufferings of the world. There's a very thin wedge of that movie that's actually about heaven. <laughs> and it makes it sound kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound great. I'm <laughs> I'm not sold on Perkle's heaven, but that's not surprising. I, I feel well, like no, we're not going to see eye to eye. <laughs> well, the point isn't to sell us on heaven. The point is to sell us on not going to hell. That's true, yeah. I mean, that's clearly <laughs> the focus. So this one has, like the like Footmen before it, this one does have a main character. Of course. Uh, what I, I mean, that is the amazing thing to me about most of these, is they all kind of surprisingly end up having a main character, but they emerge in like the last 20 minutes. This one begins with the main character. It's true. It's Tim. <laughs> it's Tim. Uh, we, we hadn't seen, we've only mostly seen Tim in cameos before this, but here, <laughs> and from here on... He's a fairly significant character in both Exotic Ones and the race car one. Oh, yeah. He's the, the kid. He's kid. He, yeah. like, he is the kid. The in, kid, yeah. In uh, White Lightning Road. And in the Exotic Ones, he's one of the people on the expedition. He's kind of the He's the one that's friends with the monster. Right, right, right. So he's fairly significant in those, but it's been fun. Like that, that is maybe the most interesting thing about these is the journey of Tim. <laughs> <laughs> How he goes from the kid who's probably being forced to do this. Although he, he sounds like he enjoyed it. I saw, I listened to part of the commentary he does on one of these mm. movies. Uh, he sounds like he was having fun. He, I mean, he was a he show doesn't... kid, uh, and his family, <laughs> like, from a family of show people, like, his dad came up in vaudeville, and he just grew up in the business, and I, I mean, it does seem like making these movies would have been pretty fun. It's not like people were <laughs> really working hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. These aren't, uh, but yeah. th these aren't, like, Kubrick sets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, he he's telling stories about how like he did the thing where he went where you go into a park without a camera and you set up three crosses and you film it without permission. Of course, yeah. And you run away when the guards come. Yeah, the the Ed Wood style of filmmaking, <laughs> uh, which everybody who's involved in those is very affectionate about because it's sort of a labor of love, but it is also cynical. You are doing it to make a quick buck, especially with these <laughs> Christian films, which are so bizarre. So, uh, yeah, throughout the box, we see Tim's story arc as he goes from uh, child performer slash child actor to um, uh, actor, like, like Main slowly character. taking more and more, yeah, lead characters, to uh, writer-director uh, auteur almost. Well, yeah, I mean, Ron Orman dies uh, after uh, the making of... 
Which one is uh, it? Uh, he during, or I think after making, but before releasing, it's about the second coming. No, second coming is the one that's directed by Tim. It's directed by Tim, but Ron was. Oh no, no, you're right. It's dedicated. That one's dedicated. To dedicated Ron. to Ron. So the so one it before might have been the Thirty Nine Stripes. Thirty Nine Stripes. That's the final one Ron directs. So I, I think he dies somewhere in there. Uh, and then, yeah, Tim steps up and he directs the last two in the set, as well as the TV specials in the set, which I don't think you managed to get to yet. No, I didn't get to the TV specials. I do recommend checking out Tribute to Houdini, and we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to Sacred Symbol, which there won't be a whole lot else to talk about there anyways. <laughs> I've already seen half of Sacred Symbol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <sighs> Uh, this is my favorite iteration of Tim, maybe, uh, in terms of Tim as an actor, as Tim as an on-screen character, Tim the hippie, which is not Tim convincing, the, yeah. but it almost works. It works better than Tim the resistance fighter or Tim the hardened convict. Oh, Tim the hardened convict is definitely the funniest one, but... Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'd argue the funniest one is Tim the... Uh, kindergarten christmas pageant uh, oh yeah no you're correct yeah tim as the arabian prince uh in in the deep past that one is definitely the funniest the beard on that is i i'll never stop laughing at it but uh i might make it my phone wallpaper (laughs) but like in terms of contrasting because i put grim reaper as my bottom of the set either grim reaper or sacred symbol they're both my two lowest rated. Um, and to contrast Burning Hell to Grim Reaper, uh, Burning Hell, he's he's kind of likable as the hippie yeah. who's really being forced he's into having a, a shit day. He's being traumatized by Perkle actively. Yes. Oh, whereas he is being. Yeah. <laughs> whereas he kind of takes the role of the Perkle in the Grim Reaper and he's. Like I said, it's like he's a Wesley Crusher who's a born again Christian, and he's he so obnoxious so in part. In, punchable in that. In that. I hate him. I hate him in Grim Reaper. He's it's my least favorite Tim. So uh, an interesting contrast because they're otherwise the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> there are some interesting differences there between some the differences. Burning Hell and the Grim Reaper, but uh, the Grim Reaper, is... of course. The absence of Perkle. Right. The Grim Reaper is their mockbuster. It's like, okay, Perkle retained the rights and he's distributing to these churches and he's making bank distributing <laughs> these to churches. Why don't we make the same movie without him? We have some of the same people. Let's get uh, Robert G. Lee. Uh, I think that's the guy who looks like Drew Carey. Oh, Oh, maybe I didn't. I didn't bother to find out his name. Shoot. It's that's fine. Uh, uh, I know he. <laughs> yeah, he is one of. He is a guest preacher in this as well as oh, believers heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they uh, all in the Grim Reaper. They also got one uh, Jerry Falwell. Jerry who you might, Falwell, uh, remember from <laughs> all that shit. Yeah, disgraced uh, '80s preacher Jerry Falwell, uh, televangelist. <laughs> Oh, so so like he's officially disgraced, or is he... <laughs> I think he was one of those guys. Uh, I'm trying to see because uh, we know he was not a good person. Maybe I I must 
be mistaking him for someone. Uh, I, I there was a different dude who was uh, like quite thoroughly disgraced uh, some time back. I guess Falwell never fully was. It just you know he's Falwell. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he sucks. We he we know he sucks. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No, uh, I'm thinking of Swaggert. I'm definitely thinking of Jimmy Swaggert. Okay, I don't. I don't. I'm not I think, familiar with I, him. Jimmy Swaggert. Uh, he he was. I. Um. <clears throat> he had a big sex scandal, I believe. Oh, okay. Where uh, there was. Uh, he was caught with uh, a prostitute who was like his regular sex worker uh and just everything came out there there's a very hilarious tearful uh i have sinned speech <laughs> it was in incredible anyway so tim and his buddy who we're not going to get to know very well <laughs> tim as the wayward christian <laughs> uh, I, I want to read the uh, IMDb synopsis of this because it kind of cracks Oh, sure. Pastor Estes W. Perkle preaches about hell, where all non-Christians will suffer eternal torment. He's also visited by two self-professed. So I, I love that they have both self-professed and then they put Christians in scare quotes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do that when you put self-professed. Yeah, and they don't <laughs> believe in hell. Uh, so he he's also visited by two self-professed Christians who don't believe in hell. <laughs> because that that's the single criterion that makes you go to hell. If you don't believe in hell, you do go there. Yeah, doesn't absolutely. matter how Christian you are otherwise, how good you are. Oh no! It's it's not about how good you are. It's about how subservient you are to God and Jesus. It's a real Milky Way stuff, like we talked about there. It's a you know <laughs> matter of interpreting one syllable. Oh, I wish I had said that the wafer was the body of the Christ instead of saying it's the it is the body of the Christ. Like, no, I mean Jesus is in the pate, right? It, it's in the pa the patisseries. Patisseries, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Th those guys are all in hell, apparently. Well, obviously they're heretics, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, so these two guys visit visit Perkle at his house for some reason. Despite why, why? <laughs> the, the thing is, they claimed. Like he claims that in the, in the opening narration that they don't know who he is. So why are they? What is this setup? Yeah, that well, because they are Christians and they're sort of. I, I guess it's supposed to be. I mean, this is 1974, so it's definitely past its sell-by date. But these guys are clearly hippies, and they're, I guess, Jesus freaks, which oh, was okay. the sort of hippie Christian movement. The the Jesus freaks who sort of co-opted a lot of the hippie stuff, but did like a chaste Christian version of it. So that's what Tim's supposed to be in this. Okay, yeah. And so they, they... like are riding around the country being free, but like going to churches <laughs> and meeting thought leaders in Christianity. <laughs> so like, oh, let's check out this purple guy. Yeah, but he's a real uh, bummer. <laughs> he's such a bummer. They go back and forth, and he tells them that they're all gonna that they're gonna burn in hell. You know, as 
obviously when you're Estes Perkle. Because he's like, you're, well, you're definitely going to burn in hell because you are free and you, you need to be very heavily restricted and live with an extremely uh, <laughs> precise dogma. And they're like, yeah. well, that seems like that kind of sucks. And maybe I don't want to listen to your shit anymore. So we're going to go. Yeah. All my friends are in hell. So if I screw you, old man. Woo! Right. <laughs> woo! Hey, get your motor running. <laughs> <laughs> And, on the and Perkle kills him with his mind. <laughs> uh, they yeah, they have a motor like a horrific motor cycle crash that you don't see, but he's been decapitated. <laughs> it's I love the way it's done because Tim is lagging behind him, and like there is a crash, and you see some other people, and like Tim wheels up and you see him shocked and because obviously we we do not have the budget to show a motorcycle crash in this no. film but... <laughs> wreck a real motorcycle man those things are expensive as <laughs> he comes up and he just he finds the severed head in the helmet <laughs> like, oh god so horribly shaken by this unbelievably traumatic experience caused by perkle yeah. Well, Perkle says to him, "Is like, hey, man, hey, if anything happens to you, you just come straight to church. I'm having a service right after this. About hell. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn about it. <laughs> so just shaken, traumatized, uh, still with the blood of his best friend on him. He wanders back to the church and Perkle's in full swing. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, it's you. Where's your friend? Oh. There was an accident. He he died. Oh, well, your friend is burning in hell right now. Your so. friend's in hell. And this is something he's going to just constantly return to every time you know Tim is at his most vulnerable. Uh, he's got to hammer it into him. Like, by the way, your friend's still burning in hell. Let's cut to your friend in hell right now for some report. <laughs> and it's like, I don't like being in hell. <laughs> <laughs> so another one of my favorite things about the Perkleverse. Yeah, and then he can like call up people in hell and get their input. I love that. <laughs> oh, that too. But like, just whenever we see people in hell, they're just they're just oh, yeah. walking around. There's fire bitching. in the background, and they're bitching. Yeah. It's just the <laughs> shittiest workplace. Everybody is just constantly like, "Oh man, I don't like being in hell. Hell stinks. Hell sucks." <laughs> The pain goes on forever. Because <laughs> it's always that flat. It's never, oh, it's the worst. Oh, God. Like, there's no <laughs> wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's all just a bunch of people like, this sucks. I don't like I being I wish I had listened. There, there's... I, I, it's a later one where there's a Buddhist and it's like, Buddha, where's Buddha? Why is this happening? And like, that's pretty tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in Grim Reaper. Um, uh, that's that's Believer's Heaven. Oh, it's Believer's Heaven. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> Believer's Heaven spends most of its time in hell. <laughs> of course. Yeah, Believer's Heaven is the one I laughed at the most. <laughs> that one did give me a lot of laughs. That's also so, the one with the preacher who would like to speak to the manager. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's in full swing talking about hell. Well, Tim is in the pew. His friend just died 10 minutes ago. He is crying. And preacher's like, that's where your friend is. Yeah, and again, performance-wise, it's a solid performance from Tim. As as much of a good performance as we get in any of these films, outside of Please Don't Touch Me, where the central character just seems to exist. 
yeah <laughs> um yeah no i agree because he as i later find out he just kind of has a face that naturally looks like it's about to cry <laughs> yeah <laughs> although when when he's being uh uh like arabian potentate in the past he he maybe looks more like he's gonna blow a burp at you <laughs> he, he looks like he's sleepwalking through that <laughs> fair enough i would it's like <laughs> i got cast as a tree <laughs> hey, right <laughs> or I, as a, like linus every uh, christmas pageant i get cast as a peasant <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, Perkle just emotionally abusing the shit out of him. He's going to use this opportunity to get him. Because yeah. these movies are evangelical, so Perkle is heroic in exploiting this weakness. Oh yeah, yeah. The The movie is on Perkle's side. Perkle yeah. is the voice of reason. Uh, this isn't satire. It's, it's very strange. It, it is very <laughs> weird to watch from an outsider perspective. <laughs> but, like like the movie expects you to believe what he's saying well yeah they're like well yes i mean it, it is uh, it is written <laughs> but you know he's he's comparing oh no that's that's a different one he he's trying to explain how long you're going to be in hell for and it's like oh, now yeah. you're not going to be in hell for one year or ten <laughs> years get out the chalkboard <laughs> or a thousand years <laughs> three <laughs> three and three hundred zeros and then you're still in hell let me show you all the zeros and he's got a blackboard <laughs> where he's just written a, a a one and or no a three i think it's just a, i think it's so, a many, it's zeros. Just so many zeros and it's like okay we got it man it's a long time it's forever <laughs> and we cut to like this cross-eyed guy who's like the pain goes on forever <laughs> church goes on forever that is the amazing oh. thing about these movies these movies are church the movie every single one of them there is a point in almost all of them where you just fall asleep because it's just the same thing over and over and like, what? and then Perkle will be yelling about something else. And <laughs> I think the only one that doesn't do that to me is second coming, which is why it's my favorite. Cause second yeah. coming is just always going to throw you something else different. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> it's got a sci-fi dystopia. I got to give it props. <laughs> Tim Orman, sci-fi dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, so, uh, we get a few, and honestly, the stories that he tells and the stories that they tell in the Grim Reaper blend really together. do blur together. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's this one where we do Lazarus. Yes. And the Lazarus rich guy. is in this one for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like the a, rich man. This is the one I talked about way, way the hell back that, uh, the, the name that he gives, I searched it online i couldn't find any information on it this no, guy he, isn't in the bible well he says he just gives the guy a name uh, uh he, he, like the guy doesn't have a name in the bible but he gives him one and i don't even i don't know, know why that matters diabetes diabetes yeah <laughs> I mean, uh, i'm not gonna make the joke right <laughs> diabetes uh yeah th this guy who he goes to hell at the beginning of the movie and we check in with him in hell a few times like well let's go live to die be in hell after 10,000 years it's like <laughs> i still hate it <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, he's like, well, Lazarus is like up in heaven at the at the side of gods, and Diabetes is in hell. He's like shouting up to heaven, right. "Hey, God, can you put Lazarus back on the earth to warn him about hell?" And God like hears him from heaven and he mm-hmm. sh- shouts down. He's looking down at him. He's like, "No, dude, you didn't listen to him the first time. You're not going to listen to him again." Yeah. No. Fuck You're you. there forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> you should have listened. <laughs> and then, of course, probably some old woman or whatever. I should have listened. Yeah, you you always have like some other background people who are wandering around in like a, a black box theater space with flames. <laughs> like <laughs> they they all look tussled and dirty. They don't look. Like they're not, they look annoyed. Yeah, they, they look like they've just had a really shitty day. <laughs> complaining. Wish I could go to bed right now. <laughs> I still got eight more hours of work left. Yeah, I still got another like 12 hour shift in hell before I get to go to bed. It, it has that sort of energy. I'm like, man, I'm pulling but a double don't shift. don't get to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, Your he... shift is never over in hell. <laughs> yeah. You you always cut back to Perkle and like, but it never ends and it's always bad. <laughs> you can't imagine the pain. Words won't do justice to the pain, but I'm going to keep trying anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just keeps repeating the same thing. And then you do yeah. sort of get sleepy somewhere in the middle. And then at some point he's like, got Tim in the aisle and Tim's crying. And he's like, you're oh, going to come yeah. to God. Yeah, because so. This is his most energized come to God one. Mm. Every one of these movies actually has the same ending. Yes. They all do. Even the one where they're in prison or the one where there's like a sci-fi dystopia. (laughs) Yes, somehow. At the end, there is one main character who emerges who's on their knees in the church. Who's like, I believe now. I've seen the the one where they don't even go to church. (laughs) It's it's so weird to me because... I guess we could just address this at the start because it is yeah. one that's going to come up in all of them. It, it, the target audience of this is very strange and I don't really get it because <laughs> all of these, there is some Christian who's like not going to church and not really interested and suddenly something happens and now they regret it. Usually it's just Perkle's words. Yeah, I mean, something might happen outside of it, but it's also Perkle's words taking <laughs> advantage of whatever happened. Yeah, and I, it's it's never clear exactly how it's supposed to reach this person. Like, it's always going to be pointed at someone who's in this church anyways. Nobody else is going to see it who's not in a church. Uh, I mean, yeah. we're seeing it now... <laughs> 50 years later and laughing at it because <laughs> it's hysterical it's insane oh yeah no what happens is tim falls asleep in perkle church but he imagines himself in hell oh, and he yeah. wakes up shouting i don't want to be here <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, perkle knows that perkle knows that it's a dream about hell and not i don't want to be here in this church which is well, yeah, who amazing. Else do you think made him dream about hell. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, obviously he did it with his mind, just as he killed yeah. that guy with his mind, as I firmly believe is the plot of the film. <laughs> yeah, so he, he comes to the altar, you know, and then he Perkle looks at the camera and is like, "He doesn't." Will you whole, come? 
yeah, he does that again. <laughs> I think he does it more energetically in this he one. He does. This is yeah. definitely the one where he's really feeling his oats. Uh, hell is his favorite topic, and he's got energy in this one. It's weird how when we get to Believer's Heaven, he's way angrier. Oh, man. <laughs> it's my favorite thing it's about like, that movie. <laughs> it's like a switch has flipped. He's mad. He doesn't want to talk about heaven. He's he's here to talk about hell. And every time he thinks that he's going to have to talk about heaven instead, it's like, ah, I'm madder again. Look how beautiful it is. I don't like, want to talk about hell instead. The end of this one is like, young man, I'm glad my words were able to reach you. And <laughs> it's kind of the, gentle. The end of Believer's Heaven is like, come to the altar right now. You need Do to talk about heaven right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a Perkle wrestling promo. Get out here right now. And I get you don't have time. And that even him at his angriest in Believer's Heaven, what is hard to communicate is that he does not have a fire and brimstone preacher <laughs> presence. It doesn't exist in him. He's prune he sounds, juice pitch man. He, he sounds like <laughs> like uh, one of those auctioneers doing the hey. Bada, 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 bada. He doesn't what have that kind hell? of. He doesn't have that kind of patter though. No, uh, he doesn't. He, like, but he uh, has that like. I I remember a riff tracks live where they showed a trailer where there was a dude talking about how great prune juice is and like mm, I love nothing better than a sweet glass of fresh squeezed prune juice. That guy, that guy could be Perkle. <laughs> Perkle could be that guy. He's just selling God instead. So it's it's a it is weird when. In Believer's Heaven, he's just really angry. <laughs> <laughs> so the Grim Reaper is basically the exact same movie, but yeah. instead of his friend who dies and goes to hell, it's his brother. And instead right. of a motorcycle crash, it's, it's a, a race, race car, car accident. Because they did all like they probably just lifted some existing race car footage they had from White Lightning Road. They showed like eight different car crashes. <laughs> There's a whole bunch. <laughs> this is like the crashiest race ever. Because I think um, Ron Orman did a lot of uh, sports uh, shooting. Like he, he was a guy who directed a lot of or, or filmed a lot of sports. So he probably just had a bunch of this footage hanging around. <laughs> probably. So that's what they, because this really does feel slapped together. Grim Reaper definitely feels like cash in. It's like, we need our own burning hell to sell. Yeah. So they. And Tim so is yeah. so obnoxious in this. I do not like Tim in this. Oh, My least favorite man. Tim. <laughs> yeah. So, so of course the kids driving the race car crash dies. Yeah. Um, Goes as to hell. he's. Uh, yeah, as he's dying, Tim's like, well, this might be your last chance. Are you going to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior? If you oh, don't, you'll God. go to hell. And Come on, like, Jordy. Yeah, he, he <laughs> again, he feels like Wesley Crusher trying to get everyone to change uh, to Christianity. And he's okay. so obnoxious in this. <laughs> I hate him. <sighs> but the guy's like, I'll convert to Christianity. When my dad does. <laughs> and he dies. And he dies. So this is this is the Simpsons episode where the dad doesn't go to church and everyone else yeah. does. <laughs> well, oh, but then Second Coming is too, except then it, it's like a flash forward to 50 years in the future, the, <laughs> the results of him not going to church. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the end, like 
they, they do a little bit more. They don't have as much preachers here. They do have a bit more story because the dad and mom keep trying to have all these seances with the brother. <laughs> <laughs> but <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like Tim keeps just shooting down all these mystics. It's like, I have the power. The spirits talk to me more like Satan talks to you. Yeah, more like Satan. He is such a pissy little wet blanket. I hate him so much in this. Uh, um, it's it's funny because it's also uh, I lost it. Where <laughs> I was going with that. So the morality of this is interesting. Like Tim wants to convert the father because it's too late to convert the older brother. Oh, I uh, remember. So, sacred symbol. This is just oh. sacred symbol. This is the same thing as sacred symbol, <laughs> where it's just him pissing on every other religion because, well, it's obvious that Christianity is right, and specifically baptism, the, yeah. the Baptist evangelical Protestant form, and everything else is obviously wrong because it's different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Bible... All he's is, got. Everything in the Bible is right because the Bible says so. Right. They pull that in a couple of these. And in oh, Sacred yeah. Symbol, most thuddingly. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think they may even have that one in here. And it's like, well, you know how I know the Bible's right? So, so in the Bible. <laughs> like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> so eventually he drags the, like, after a bunch of, you know, a bunch of visions of and all this shit. He drags the father to church where he has to listen to the sermon and he falls asleep and yeah. he begins dreaming about being in hell. <laughs> and I love his dream in particular because it's like, I'm in hell. Where is my son? And this little devil's like, I'll take you to your son. So he follows this little devil and he's like, uh, points behind like a curtain and he opens the curtain and there's another devil. It's like, not my son and this <laughs> big bearded guy points at him and he's like nobody tells the truth in hell <laughs> which has to be which can't be a factual statement or it's a paradox you can't say it's yeah it's dumb it, like it is just <laughs> it's it is, it is so goofball like again all of their depictions of hell they lack imagination <laughs> you don't certain... see torture implements nobody's getting tormented by the demons it's a real work a day hell uh everyone's just, just like wander around people playing like annoying pranks it's it's a low level boring hell and i kind of feel that because <laughs> you're in a low level boring hell in church in these movies so you yeah. feel it it's it's a relatable hell <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, you want to see your son? I'll take you to your son. Like, he's right behind this curtain. <laughs> it's like, I'm not your son. I'm just another demon. Screw you. You don't get to see your son, you jerk. You're in hell. You don't get to anything you like. <laughs> it's terrible here. <laughs> so the dad wakes up screaming. He comes to the altar. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and now the dad is saved. And screw the brother who the dad technically sent to hell. Fuck him. Yeah, to hell with it. Oh, well, he, he's already in hell. He's lost. You just forget him. Forget the past. Yeah. That guy's gone. Now the family is completely together with nobody missing. <laughs> yeah, all good. It's perfect. Da, 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 da. Uh, much worse than the burning hell. <laughs> I, I did like some of the, I did like the hell bits better. 
It's fair. Like some uh, of them are funny. Again, yeah, <laughs> stupid <laughs> hell pranks. <laughs> and then now we get believers heaven. And Perkle is so angry. He's so it's, mad. It's six can... years on from Footman, and he's like, "Man, it's not working." <laughs> <laughs> Words cannot communicate how much angrier Perkle is. You have to see it for yourself. Well, it's funny. Oh, so in. On the the Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia, the the IMDb uh, description, they call him real life fire and brimstone preacher Estes W. Perkle. He's not that fight. Like even in this one, as angry as he is, he's not that fire and brimstoney. It is still just like, ah oh, man, I, I I wish somebody would do something about this. <laughs> but oh my God, his face is red. He's like vote no on proposition. <laughs> He is what he's pacing around. He's flailing his arms. He and is. It's, it's the heaven one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one he really gets worked up for, and it's the one he. It, in theory, we're supposed to be hearing about the rewards, but <laughs> not so much. What a glorious life it will be under God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anytime he's supposed to be talking about something that should be positive. He's like beat red. He's angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he starts out with uh, basically. Uh, uh, it's a while before we get to heaven. Yeah. Well, he starts with you guys should start considering heaven right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> and, and it's immediately like the switch has already been flipped. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He is at an 11. Oh, the entire right time, now. yeah. He he stays at a high level, and I, I feel like maybe some of it maybe is just feedback from the other ones, where it's like, you're yeah. not really bringing a fire and brimstone energy to it. And I think this is him trying to do that, but it's the least... It, it's the one that doesn't need it's the one that shouldn't be like this it's the one that should least be like this. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still still you the only way he knows how to convert people is to scare them yeah he, he is trying to be scary people because and this is also the one where he straight up says it isn't it he does there's i don't know if it's it might be towards the end but I he really says yeah like you might be saying to me preacher i don't really think i should be going to christ just because you're trying to scare me and it's like so what if i am trying to scare you you should be scared yeah i, I think it's uh you may be saying preacher you're just trying to scare me into doing this and i say what does it matter yeah. <laughs> and Come you to might god say, brother <laughs> one of his great catchphrases and you might be saying preacher and then something that yeah. actually does poke holes in his argument and i say no it doesn't poke holes in my argument yeah he he is uh pulling up reasonable arguments and then he's like but i disagree with that and he does not have a follow-up for why he's just but screw you because i'm right bible says no yeah bible says uh and also you don't want to go to hell do you <laughs> good fallback so this one i don't think has much of a story uh, not if i remember really right. this one just has a collection of bits uh about people who die and the miserableness of life and there's the the lady who's the dwarf who gets oh to, my god 
gets to dream about uh, about walking <laughs> and standing next oh, to man. God. She's the, got a whole song. Oh, the, the the most vile stuff in the middle where you get God's twisted uh, people, and you you oh. have like all the children burn victims whose hands have been burned off, and they're uh, singing. Yep. He's like, but they will be whole in heaven. Uh, and the, just the fantasy moment where we see the dwarf lady as a quote unquote normal in heaven and the that they cast just some another <laughs> far side looking Baptist lady <laughs> to just be, you know, someone from the congregation. Like, this is her now in heaven. This is what she looks like. Like, hey. It has one of my favorite scene transitions in one of these. Uh, he's like, now we got a preacher, uh, Jack, whatever, and he's going to tell you about heaven. Heaven is like this. <laughs> yeah. Heaven is so good. And then when he like finally talks himself to sleep, we smash cut back to Perkle. What a glorious thing that's going to be. Yeah. What a glorious thing it's going to be. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, he, he's trying to at one point describe how big is heaven by comparing it to New York City. It's a hundred million trillion times the size. So this because this, it's so much taller. This preacher, Jack Hiles, uh he there is a documentary from 2014 written by Jack Hiles called The Truth okay. About Jack Hiles. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> it's three hours and twenty minutes long. <laughs> And it is a documentary exposing the cult legacy of Pastor Jack Hiles. <laughs> Interesting. Really? Uh, <laughs> but wait, but he made it. He wrote it. So <laughs> it, I, I think it's like a promo reel for how great he is. And it's three hours and 20 oh. minutes long. It's like his his cult legacy. Oh, no. <laughs> he's in He's in both Burning Hell and Believer's Heaven as well. Yeah, so I think I, it's got like a bunch of his sermons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, he's slow talking Morris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like so because heaven is so much taller than New York City. You see, you can fit more people there. Great. It's not that much bigger, like lengthwise and widthwise. Yeah, no, because it's on some clouds and yeah. it's sort of a fortress. <laughs> Like what? I, I, why is it bound by any realm of space and time? I don't understand. Everybody is going to get their mansion. Um, oh yeah, everybody gets a mansion, of course. Uh, and then he talks to that preacher who has a mansion, the pastor with the mansion. Yeah, the pastor with like the super opulent, elaborate mansion that he absolutely stole money from his parishioners for it it's amazing the way they first start to frame it because it almost seems like perkle is going to call this guy out rightly because he's talking about look at this beautiful mansion that the people of god paid for and its beauty and its opulence and let's go talk to the preacher and because he's in his fire and brimstone mode it seems like he's mad at this guy and then it cuts to him like (laughs) It's a real beautiful mansion, and isn't it beautiful? And like, it's a great place to live. And like, isn't it wonderful that a man of God gets to live in a place like that? And like, what in the hell is even going on? But the mansions in heaven will be even better than that, right? And it's like, <laughs> I feel like this is a guy you'd be mad at. Why is this guy going to go to heaven? But that preacher who was kind and and decent and 
seem to uh, be self-sacrificing and whatever. He's in hell because he said heaven's more of, or that hell is more of a metaphor and not a thing that is actually detailed in the Bible, which I think is true. <laughs> um, well, Perkle's got all these quote unquote arguments why it's not. <laughs> I guess so. Because, <laughs> you know, there's, he's like, there's no, worms. according to my interpretation. Oh, yeah, the worms, <laughs> the people with worms <laughs> on their faces. <laughs> Ew, I have worms on me. They're gross. Ew, worms. I'm in hell and there are worms. <laughs> I forgot about the worms till just now. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <sighs> but yeah his description of heaven ultimately is not the, i i'm not compelled uh first <laughs> like it's just jewels so many jewels so layers many jewels. Of jewels oh my god like 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 what a little kid thinks a rich person does like like uh like building an entire apartment in new in new york city out of gold for example right and it's like He's saying that the walls are just these jewels and he's describing different types of jewels and we just have these weird abstract screens with <laughs> flashing jewels and it's like he's making up types of jewels that exist only in heaven and like this is a strange <laughs> fantasy, man. <laughs> uh, yep. And then um, it's uh, oh, and the streets are paved with gold and we get to see people's bare feet walking on some gold streets <laughs> <laughs> and god will have this big giant like outer space chair i like i i did like, I like the, the chair actually yeah the depiction of god kind of cool it's like an interdimensional portal that's the back of the throne and you, you it's it, like you said it's a dr claw uh, <laughs> yeah you just see his uh, god hand. see you see a bit of head in hand yeah yeah. And everybody will be staring at God and they'll be granted all these crowns, but they'll be so in awe at God that they'll just throw the crowns at his feet and just keep doing that. And I'm like, this sounds like a Sisyphus in the boulder kind of thing, actually. Yeah, you're, you're just going to like spend all day throwing crowns at God like he's a stripper, <laughs> you're like tossing <laughs> fucking coins at. Like, I don't get his vision of heaven. I don't understand it. It doesn't appeal to me in any way. Uh, the the one thing that he says that is sort of appealing is the thing about the fruit. I'm like, oh yeah, there's just yeah. trees with fruit blooming on it constantly, and it's every fruit on every tree. I was like, okay, yeah. that's kind of cool, I guess. And it's like, sure. and the sun never goes down, and it's always summer. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you've lost me, dude. <laughs> and you know who won't go to heaven? <laughs> right, because this is all he's got. This is where it ends, and like, and it's going to be summer all the time. And like, I don't even like that. And like, well, you wouldn't want to go to hell, would you? And then he's going to go back to all of the hell talk. And the rest of the movie <laughs> is about hell again. Yeah, it's like we got the Buddhist there who's like, <laughs> I was, I lived a good life. I don't get this. Yeah, where's Buddha? This is unfair. And it's also the the preacher is like. I, I mean, it seems like an unfair technicality that, uh, I mean, I didn't believe in hell and now I'm in hell. I mean, it seems, isn't there someone I could speak to about this? This <laughs> truly really just seems like a miscarriage of justice and he's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm experiencing the flames of hell right now. Yeah. An actual quote. Yeah, I'm experiencing the flames of hell right now. Uh, there's this one lady wandering around hell like got any drugs <laughs> it's like none of us have drugs this is hell how long have you been here 
<laughs> forever yeah it's like it doesn't like nobody makes any sense the, these are characters <laughs> that because they're created for an audience who are not going to question these cardboard characters they're the same characters that appear in news stories that yeah. don't really exist <laughs> these films are for the already converted yeah, I, these are the sort of movies that would now be created for the Fox News streaming <laughs> network, which exists. Like, they have their own, like, there is a Fox News content. I saw their first Christmas oh. movie, and it was vile. Oh, no. <laughs> Stupid. So, <laughs> yeah, after after talking about hell a whole bunch more... Perkle starts screaming at us about how great heaven is, and he's like, come to Jesus right now! You come to Jesus now, God damn it! You better come! You better come! I want you to come! And again, I'm... it does get funny because he does keep saying things like, won't you come? I want you to come! <laughs> but he's so angrily asking. He's mad. <laughs> he's Stay like mad. one step away from making a video of himself running around shirtless in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, and... or or making an or making a motorbike with an electric chair and just <laughs> electrocuting non-believers himself. He, he might go for that. <laughs> <sighs> this is the last Perkle. Last Perkle. Uh, and I am sad to see him go because this one, he, he does go out on just like a big crazy note. I do find all three of the Perkle movies to be absolutely fascinating. They're all bad, but they're oh, yeah. all extremely compellingly bad <laughs> i just love all the i i love the depictions of hell so much <laughs> all like the devils are just they're clowns with weird makeup they're silly yeah and uh, the people who are in hell they're just these people who just have like dirt on their faces and they're <laughs> they've, they've been they've been smudged with some coal or some some ash <laughs> I taught a lot of women their first sexual experience. <laughs> I deserve to be here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 again, the, the regrets of people, they're very strange uh, in these movies. The, the, the logic of people that they don't understand, I guess. Yeah. Certainly Perkle doesn't understand anyone <laughs> who doesn't agree with him. So everybody is sort of this weird cardboard cutout person around him. Oh, and this is the one with Tim with the beard. Oh, uh, like yeah. The, the shitty beard. Because uh, they're tell they're still telling Bible stories that aren't really related to hell. Yes, it is Tim as Nahor. Or... <laughs> Nahor. Yeah, Nahor. Uh, and he's trying to convince Abraham not to leave on his journey. And he's like, son of don't terror. do it, Abraham. <laughs> yeah, don't do it, Abraham. And yeah, he, he's got a big turban on and a big puffy suit. And... <laughs> Uh, the shittiest imaginable beard like it, it looks like maybe a cardboard cutout of a beard that is on the front of his face <laughs> it's so funny though <laughs> yeah no it's... i love it it's one of the funniest things in the whole whole set i laugh at it every time i see it <sighs> uh, well not one of the funniest things in the whole set is 39 stripes 39 stripes is pretty boring i i don't think there's much to say about it it is a true story supposedly i, I guess I, I guess i mean it does not seem that 
uh, hard to believe. I mean, elements of it yeah. are a little hard to believe, but uh, the the basics of his crime are very petty, <laughs> hilariously oh, petty. I forgot to write down what it was, but yeah, he uh, he sells his Bible to a pawn shop for three dollars. <laughs> yeah, and he feels all broken up about it. And he goes back to the flop house where there's this other criminal that he hangs with. Because there's this whole thing before that where he's arguing with his sister about pawning the Bible, and she says you can't do it. What she doesn't come up with as a good argument that he soon learns is like you you're not going to get any money for it, so you shouldn't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <So> it's, like, <laughs> the best I could do is three dollars. Best I could do is three dollars. Uh and he sees him put the money in the safe and he sees that there's more money there. More money than he could even carry. So, so he breaks in. Uh, so it's uh this this is a business real guy, Ed Martin, and he formed Hope Aglow Prison Ministries. And him at the start you know i he's not very he he's not a dynamic speaker but i would have liked more of him talking in the same vein as i loved schmitty in edge of tomorrow oh yeah actually i oh man imagine him narrating this movie would have been maybe 25 percent better uh, yeah yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have had it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 the cognitive not that salvageable. No, I mean the the cognitive dissonance, of course, of Tim as Ed, <laughs> Tim Ormond, a hardened chain gang criminal in the forties. Uh, it is so unconvincing. It's the the least convincing. <laughs> like he is less convincing here than he is as Nahor in his turban with his fake beard. It, like I. When I was watching it and it cut to Tim as this guy on a chain gang, like this feels like a joke on Ed. <laughs> like, did Ed see this? Or did he sign off on this? Like, why did you cast Tim as me? I feel like that's could you didn't have anybody else? Was there nobody else available who I don't know, maybe looked like an adult and could be maybe conceivably viewed as a criminal? <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> no. No, I guess not. <laughs> I don't think they have anyone like that. <laughs> Tim is the star. Because they, they could have cast any of the other guys, but I don't know if any of the other guys can act, if we're being fair. Uh, can Tim? Well, Tim, he, 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 Tim has experience. Tim no. grew up. Tim grew True. up in the business. He's he's had tons of experience. As much as anyone can act in these, he can act. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So he's in the chain gang. His buddy gets whipped thirty nine times because it's a thing from the Bible. Yeah, because if he if they whipped him forty times, he would die of it. Uh, supposedly which i don't supposedly. think yeah I, I think that's a, i don't think that's very scientific i feel that that's untrue uh and yeah it, it is a biblical punishment it's funny that he's in this biblical prison and he's there for bible crimes <laughs> <laughs> he, he wanted to steal back his bible uh he he's, he gets notes from his sister and eventually his sister's hot friend it's like tim you could have sex with me if you just take your bible first Right. I, or, or not Tim, Ed. Right. Yeah, Ed. Uh, I mean, he's Tim. He, he's, he's not he inhabiting the Tim. character of Ed Martin, <laughs> chain gang inmate. Um, 
yeah and everybody is so excited that there's letters coming from girls even though it's his extremely christian sister sending him messages to accept god and he like reads through it and he does like a womp, womp, look at the camera like <laughs> and his buddy's like god what again say? what does it say <laughs> is it from your sister what does it say Tell can me i smell it sister. can i smell the, <laughs> smell the envelope oh my god does it's it from smell a girl. Like panties is there a, is there like a nude photo in, included? <laughs> like it's my Christian sister, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's funny he punches that guy out, but he doesn't punch out the bully. No, because that guy's tougher than him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so eventually, you know, he. This is an hour long movie. We're going to yeah. get through this. In Each like of two them is an hour minutes. long. <laughs> So, you know, he, he he does pick up the Bible and he's like, oh, wow, I actually really like the Bible. Yeah, it turns out maybe my sister was right all along. Uh, I guess I should have been reading this thing instead of trying to sell it. I mean, it seems like he was already pretty invested in it. He had a pretty hard time parting with it in the first place. And then he had regrets <laughs> immediately. Yeah. So it did seem like he was already obviously on the right path towards this and. Yeah. He becomes insufferably born again. He becomes his character <laughs> in The Grim Reaper, except he's on a chain gang. It's not a good place to be, this guy. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he he gets bullied by the bully prisoner. He's like, I don't want to hear about the Bible. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, and fair enough, yeah. Uh, but he, you know, makes friends with the cops or the guards because guards. he is reading the Bible. Yeah, and he's, gets special, he's a very special privileges. He's a super manageable prisoner. <laughs> and he's just yeah. trying to get everybody to pray. And it's sort of a Bible prison already somehow. I don't know how that works. It was the yeah. 40s. There wasn't as much oversight. Um, I like that there are characters called Big John and Big Willie in this. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the co-prisoners. Uh, the bully prisoner is called Savage. Savage. <laughs> So the preacher who does the weekly sermons, he can't make it in. Who could take his place? Oh, my God. So Ed can step up. And Ed then can step up he starts then... a prison ministry. Yeah. Uh, the bully <laughs> prisoner is moved by something. Yeah. I mean, he, he does his preaching and he's like, I mean, again, I, it is still Tim. And I, he's not selling me on, I, I, nobody has sold me on any sort of fire and brimstone moving sermon, but it works for this guy, I guess. And uh, he converts him supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. It's like on a chain gang, you have a 14 pound hammer. We know all about those. Imagine that 14 pound hammer driving nails through the hands of Jesus Christ on the cross. Words aren't enough to describe the scene. The agony of that scene, even in story form. Yeah, he he's got a wiener voice uh, in, in this. He, he like again, it's the Wesley Crusher trying to proselytize. It doesn't work. It's obnoxious. <laughs> uh, and and he, yeah, he converts the guy over, and it's the exact same ending as the last four of these. Exact same one. Yep. So then uh, we're on to the second coming, which is the very best in the set. I think so. I think so. Tim has written and directed this. Uh, and it, actually, Ron, I think, co-wrote this. Ron co-wrote. So it, it seems to be something that was like bubbling under for some time. It was something that they were working on, but uh, Ron dies before they start making it, I guess. Yeah. I haven't read up in the Jimmy McDonough book. I got to catch up on that. Uh, but anyway, 
he, it feels like there's so many ideas that Tim had kicking around and he just put all of them in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the sacred symbol feels like the ideas that he had left over that didn't get put into this one. It feels like just a grab bag of everything else we've seen all the way through the set going right back to Untamed Mistress. It's kind of crazy. Oh, bookends. Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Kind of accidentally brilliant. Yeah, sort of. Because it's, it's, it's mostly shitty stock footage that a bunch of people are just supposedly looking at that they're clearly not looking at. <laughs> it's the same as the first one. <laughs> <laughs> time is a flat circle yeah poetry it rhymes etc but the second coming it's kind of a blast because the future dystopia stuff every moment of that kills me i every single <laughs> second of tim ormond future revolutionary in the <laughs> sci-fi dystopia with like laser cops gunning down christians in the alleyways your Everything's Jesus good. died centuries ago. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Laser cannon. And, but Jesus it, is still alive and we'll join him. It, it, but it, the rapture's already happened by this point in the movie, hasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. So this character would have not been saved he, until after. He's not saved. Yeah. So I, I don't think he's, he's. I think he has to go to hell now, no matter what. I mean, by Perkle's rules, I would say he certainly is. Uh, so it's it's a weird hill to die on now. Just like, well, I'm now that I have to get a six 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 tattoo, I've changed my mind entirely. <laughs> now I wish I had been Christian after all. Like, what? How does that make sense? I never understand the motivations of these. Who are these characters who are supposed to be converted at this point? But anyway. So we begin with uh, the Binding of Isaac story, and if you think that it has nothing to do with the rest of this film, you would be right. <laughs> totally correct. Uh, <laughs> they, they needed to pad out the time because it was <laughs> it was like forty five minutes or something. <laughs> uh, so I didn't know this story actually before this. Oh, interesting. But, uh, yeah, very so... very important. Very messed up bible story oh yeah <laughs> so so for those who don't know uh, like myself god told abraham to bring his son isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him uh like like you know as a burnt offering as a burnt offering to me and abraham's like uh okay okay Off anything you say then. chief i yep. mean that's yeah i i don't want to but uh that's the what god Here's says goes and so he takes him up. He he binds him. He's yep. got his legs, and, and it, it's always referred to as the binding of Isaac because that's as far as it goes. But it's also yep. when you, like there, there's a reason there's the video game based on it that's about child abuse and stuff. It's that's never gonna go away. That's always yeah. that that can't be taken back. He still did get to the point where he bound him and was about to kill him. <laughs> yeah and of course god is like last minute is like okay 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 psych, you proved psych. It. <laughs> all right now that i know that you'll kill your own firstborn for me you're good you're cool you're cool and for a now. lamb pops up kill that yeah <laughs> kill it and burn it now dad were you like <laughs> legit gonna kill me there absolutely <laughs> that's fucked up dad because there's listen. also stories there's also stories in the bible where uh the the uh, god has ordered someone to kill the first 
uh, animal they see when they get home and it's their kid comes out to see them. So they kill the kid and burn it. And God doesn't stop them there. <laughs> so That's like sometimes he just has up. them do it. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's a weird start to this movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange choice because it's about uh, sort of a weird act of uh, devotion, but also an act of child abuse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and it has although, nothing to do with anything else no. that comes later. <laughs> Because, yeah, this is all about the second coming and the rapture. I mean, the the full title of the movie is It's About the Second Coming. Yeah, It's About the Second Coming. Uh, <laughs> and, and we've got some future dystopia. We've got some other random Bible stories. There's the, the people yeah. getting stoned. I love the people getting stoned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, stoned to death, by the way, not yeah. smoking and getting stoned. Uh, no, you'll a bunch never of people see that here. Getting stones thrown at them. Or is that in Sacred Symbol? Oh, you know what? That is in Sacred Symbol. That's the only thing I liked in Sacred Symbol. The stone with the carving is the Sacred Symbol. Right. <laughs> they, they were throwing... And the fact that they have that stone proves that God is real, even though they have all these other stones from other cultures. Yeah, because they have a stone anything. that they killed people with uh, as a uh, act of... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I like I. Again, I don't get the <laughs> the how things are supposed to connect together, but sacred symbols really dumb. We'll we'll get to that. But second coming, yeah, it it uh we we again have a guy who doesn't want to go to church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the pastor knows him like personally and he's like, You should really go to church, um I don't know, swinger guy. <laughs> yeah, and I guess this is who these movies are all supposed to be aimed at. The guy who the preacher actively knows. Yeah. And isn't really is is sort of a semi-lapsed christian because that's like as close as you're gonna get to anyone who would ever watch this <laughs> and maybe be convinced from something that they're already thinking yeah yeah like the seeds of christianity have to be there or this will not grab you yeah they have to really be quite deep <laughs> for this to be convincing <laughs> but this one's quite entertaining yeah, yeah, I love how he like invites the guy, and then his lady friend joins for the joins for the dinner, and he invites her, and I'm just I just imagine her reaction to that being I'm actually being paid by the hour right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, this is narrated by John Calvert, who's sort of our main character of uh, well, quasi. He he's the guy doing the speech in sacred symbol or stunt guy yeah right right he yeah he plays one of the guys that i think like the main explorer guy yeah he's the main explorer guy who does the who does the duct tape over his eyes for jesus right <laughs> uh he's the narrator of the second coming also and then tribute to houdini is actually just a john calvert special very little connection to houdini Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Inspired by Houdini. So uh, they they do that. They explain at length what the revelation is and what's gonna happen when Jesus shows up. The rapture and everybody yeah. will disappear. Some people will be left behind because they weren't good enough. Yeah, and and it's literally just like poof, they're gone. Yeah, and this is something that is going to happen, is something that they say in the movie. And that, uh, yeah. 
Uh, it's going to happen soon. And the people who are left behind, well, it's just going to be hell on earth here because the, oh my God, this guy, the Antichrist is going to take over. <laughs> <laughs> they found the perfect guy. <laughs> so it, 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 he's the one who has the first 666 tattoo that he holds up with his fist, right? That's a great image. Uh. He, he, I don't know if that's the same guy, but he's like the white-haired guy who threatens the minister. Uh, oh, right. No, I'm thinking of a different guy. I'm thinking of the, the I TV think announcer. The TV announcer. Yeah. Which, I, that is a great image. That, that's just such a cool image. Uh, <laughs> like, it's it, you, you should have it on the cover of, like, a death metal album. Totally. <laughs> uh, right. I, I think, was it Roger Morgan? Is the character oh. the... The the, like the, uh, the, Antichrist. the Antichrist. Yeah. Oh it, no, his name is uh, Dimitri something or other. Dimitri. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. Got it. Because this one televangelist is preaching about how the Antichrist is going to come and take over the world after Jesus shows up, and he's like, "You'd better stop preaching about that." <laughs> and he's like, well, "Oh I'm yeah." Gonna... <laughs> he curses him. Yeah, it's like, well, I know you're the Antichrist, and I'm going to take it to town hall and tell the mayor. <laughs> right, this is a very bizarre fantasy sequence in this, where this guy's got so much incredible Satan power. He's he very powerful. Power. He makes the guy have a heart attack on live TV. Yeah, and he stops him from outing him, and it's very strange. Like... One of the the conceits of these is that Satan is extremely powerful and he freely gives power to anyone who follows him. But there's no commensurate thing from God. Yeah. And I don't know why that – like obviously it's because it's not a thing that exists on either side and yeah. they want to show how scary the other side is. But nobody worships Satan. Satanists <laughs> don't worship Satan. It's a joke. It's a parody. They're they're doing a satire. <laughs> well, it's it's like the thing way back in Footman. It's like Jesus cannot give you candy, but Castro can. Right. It's like, well, yeah. Then yeah, you you need to worship object, Castro as a god. Be, but shouldn't we be doing that then? <laughs> yeah, and it's also we need to now worship Castro as a god in that because there needs to be some replacement figurehead, right. which is the same thing with Satanists as the bogeyman that they've kind of modern Satanism has very happily stepped into because it's fun. <laughs> you can just cosplay as this satire religion that like, Oh, we worship Satan. He's a big spooky guy who gives us powers and we do rituals. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and there are enough people who, you know, the, the people who watch these movies who are people who these movies are actually for <laughs> watching like, <laughs> I'm so enraged that they're actually doing this and getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so once the rapture actually happens, uh, everybody has to, the new world order has taken over the world like instantly. Yeah, of uh, course. It's, uh, it's exactly <laughs> like footmen. It's exactly yeah. It'll take them fifteen minutes to do it. Just fifteen minute cities. <laughs> yep. Oh man, that's one of Alex Jones's big bugbears. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, he hates the fifteen minute cities. Uh, man, I started reading into why people don't like that, and I wish I didn't. It's so <laughs> I stupid. Know, I know it's dumb, but again, so yeah, a complete takeover. But it's a future dystopia, so you have them in like sort of. 
canon future cop costumes and they have laser guns and they're tracking <laughs> people down in the streets. An identification tattoo, but they all got the same number, which is six six six. It's six six six, and and I mean, okay, that's the mark of the beast. I get it, but everybody else who's doing mark of the beast in the eighties, and I mean, maybe this is a little too early because it's nineteen eighty, but everybody else was doing the barcode. Like, how did you not come up on the bar? Maybe it's too hard. That's yeah. that's a tattoo that's too much makeup work to do for this production. Well, and is your target audience going to get the metaphor? Maybe not. And the 666, that image is powerful. I really do love the TV announcer saying, and yes. everybody will have to get the mark. <laughs> like, it, that looks like something from freaking uh, War of the Worlds last, or the century. Next but, century. Next century. Yes. Or um, uh, They Live. <laughs> oh, that's so They Live. It's got an energy sort of somewhere in between those. And I love it. Like, that's what makes this movie kind of vibe for me is it has so much weirdness in it. It feels like uh, it feels like an exploitation movie. It has a Christian exploitation movie feel to it much more than any of the other ones. Yeah. So our, our swinger guy can't exist in this new um this new world order because he won't get the 666 tattoo. His mother is already gone. She went to heaven. She was a good Christian. Yeah, she got raptured. We did have a rapture sequence where just people disappeared and he's shocked that he didn't go. And it is, I don't understand the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he resists getting it and now he decides Christianity is very important but it's Even, over, man. Yeah, it's too. <laughs> you missed like, out. <laughs> the whole point that Perkle spent like so many movies saying is there is a hard time limit. And if you are not on the side by the time limit, you are going to be in hell. And that's what this movie's about. And then <laughs> he's this guy and like the rapture's happening. He's like, well, I, I'm standing by my principles. Like, you didn't have the principles before this <laughs> happened. I don't even understand. Who, who is this person? Yeah, like, at this point, just get the tattoo and try to live what best life you can with what's le what you got left. Because it doesn't, like, again, it's supposed to be this post-rapture uh, future that is supposed to be hellish, but he just goes to a diner and everybody else is at the diner and having a normal day, except they're all, it, it looks like a leather bar, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's the scary future. And yeah, he yeah. orders food and they won't serve him because he doesn't have the mark of the beast. And everybody's like, why don't you just get the mark of the beast? And he's like, I don't believe in it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the bullies in the alley beat him up because he's making trouble for the diner proprietor, which like, I don't understand any of the reality of any of it, but it's so funny because it's a bizarre fantasy. Like, it's a very strange persecution fantasy. Uh, but then it was all a dream and he wakes up and guess where he goes? He comes to church. He will come. Uh, I, I, I do love that we do also have some like he, he wakes up screaming because it's a sequence of him getting gunned down in an alleyway running away from laser cops oh yeah right the laser necessary cops to who, mention <laughs> yeah they they killed tim at the beginning yeah. he yeah. died right away yeah uh, and we, we just, <laughs> we're just following this other dude yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah laser cops <laughs> laser cops with like a bike helmet <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. Yeah, the the laser cops really put this over the line. And then I love that at the end we have just a montage of the rest of the movie with all just the really crazy bits. Oh yeah, right. He's captured and like taken to the Antichrist's headquarters, which is now in a cave, even though he's taken over the world. And Who knows? He's... <laughs> <laughs> and he's underneath like this uh, swinging pendulum guillotine that's really cool. It's rad. It's like again exploitation chop... movie. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like slowly chopping his neck. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just, it's a weird artifact. It's the strangest one in the set. Man, I, I'm curious to see what Tim could have done with a budget and... Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, a budget. I, this one's fascinating because it has so many ideas and it's the only one in, the, in all of the religious ones that doesn't feel like church. Yeah. All yeah, of yeah. the other ones feel like you are just having some guy stand in front of you and yell at you about god and this one there's a little bit of that like there are yeah. preachers but most of it is just they're using the imagery they're actually making a movie instead of making a sermon mm -hmm. although of course they end it the same way as all the oh, other yeah, ones they, they all have to have the same ending uh but yeah easily my favorite and then uh, last one that's we've got the symbols. sacred symbol which is garbage and the sacred symbol the sacred yeah you sort of it's not even worth learning the proper name of it. Actually, yes, it, it is so that you know what movie to not watch. It's the worst one. Uh, it, there's just it, it's obnoxious. Uh, it is fascinating that we have this John Calvert as John Harvey, who's a world traveler. Uh, and it's also Ormond McGill making his return. The guy who gave Tim or gave Ron Ormond the name. Ormond. Right, right. <laughs> Some dude he knew back in vaudeville. <laughs> he changed his name to Ormond. <laughs> Uh, and then yeah. the family is the Ormond family. Yeah. So main character supposed to go to church, but the Explorer Club is having a meeting. So he goes to that instead. And his girlfriend is really put out and like, why don't we go to church instead? And he's like, come on, it'll be really interesting. We could go to church anytime. This is just like a one time thing. Come on. And then Look he ends up these... going. <laughs> he ends up. It turns out he goes to church anyway because it's a, <laughs> a fucking bait and switch church meeting yeah it takes like half the movie before we find out and then this one guy asks uh like he's got all these stereotypical explorers in the audience like you've got you got a heckler Hurdle, you got <laughs> yeah the heckler is like is this just gonna be end up being some weird fucked up ploy to convince us to worship christ he's like wait a second this is a fucking sham you're here to proselytize you're here to sell jesus you asshole and it's like you got me yeah. so, so here's jesus and why it's so much better than all these well not even why he doesn't tell us why no jesus no is better than absolutely all these not why it's like you don't understand <laughs> jesus is how i'm able to fly planes with duct tape over my eyes he's like really <laughs> well and and tim or yeah i think it is tim again as the guy who didn't uh, want to go i don't think it's tim this time it isn't tim's just some guy i think it's just some guy okay <laughs> he he's convinced because he this convinced. guy who's cool yeah. said like oh my jesus gives me the power to fly planes with the duct tape over my eyes so i mean you should obviously follow jesus and he's like well 
he he's uh, he sold me on it. I mean, at least it is a little bit more of a reason than anything else we've seen in any of the other ones. This is one where Jesus gives people powers. It's the Satan thing that we've seen in all of the other ones. Yeah. So he comes to the altar. Well, back to he the comes, guy's house. Yeah, they're, they're hanging out in. That is the weird thing about it. There's mostly it's all this shitty old ethnographic stuff. Some of it definitely just we already saw in Untamed Mistress way back at the start. We absolutely did. Uh, I recognize a lot of the footage. Some of the Anchor Watt stuff, for sure. Yep. Um, some of the Africa stuff. We also oh, yeah. saw uh, the, the dude who lies on the bed of nails and all that. He was in uh, Please Don't Touch Me when they did that right, hypnotism right. thing at the beginning that I forgot about. Right. There there was the little mini Mondo film at the start of that. Yeah, it, it's weird because it is sort of going back to the roots. It's got all of that stuff in it, but it's rehashed. We've seen it before. And it's supposed to be them, I suppose, watching it projected on a screen, but they didn't even go to the trouble of getting a There's prop no... of a projector or a screen. They're, they're... Like, how lazy. <laughs> <laughs> they got a projector prop, but no screen. Yeah, no screen we just cut to them <laughs> reacting to things that we're seeing and there's that one lady's like oh my god things are foreign and different <laughs> so it's just the skin isn't as white as ours i can't believe it she's clutching her pearls uh it, it's <sighs> it, it's just it's a bunch of religious practices all around the world and they're spooky and foreign and then finally at the end it's like but God is real. <laughs> and there's this guy who stands up and is like, hey, fuck you. I can't believe we just sat through all of this for you to come to that conclusion. <laughs> no, but this rock you see. Yeah, and it's like, hey, I've got this rock. It proves Christianity is real. And it's like, we know Christianity is real. It's a religion <laughs> that's existed for centuries. We know that. It doesn't prove anything. And he's like, it does, though. Also, want to see me fly a plane with duct tape over my eyes that's kind of rad <laughs> yeah i kind of do it's like i do though and he does that <laughs> and he's like i gotta admit that's cool <laughs> <laughs> so a tribute to houdini which is also on this set it's one of the special features it's uh directed by tim and it's a tv special of john calvert oh, okay and it's his magic show so it's just all these different clips of different types of magic shows john calvert has done and him doing like close-up magic him doing tricks uh it has him doing a boat race with duct tape on his eyes it does some more flying planes with duct tape on his eyes it has him driving cars with duct tape on his eyes it's his main <laughs> gig uh i don't think he mentions jesus a single time oh wow <laughs> he's not playing john calvert in this he's playing john harvey world traveler right he's a He's a different character who happens to also be able to fly planes with duct tape on his eyes, but this guy did yeah. with Jesus himself. Yeah, the the acting part is that it's about Jesus, I uh, think, which is interesting to see as a contrast. I would say that it is the better film. <laughs> okay, cool. But that does bring us to the end of the Orman set. Uh, what a journey it's been. <laughs> oh, man. we I'm looking at the list now. We did like 12, more than 12 movies across three episodes. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it was doable because most of them are like an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's not a lot to some of them. Some of them, there's almost nothing to them. Like, we didn't gloss over anything in the sacred symbols. That was it. No. no there, there just was nothing. It, it was a bunch of really obnoxious and old, like, degraded footage. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, it, it looks bad. It's hard to see. And then you cut to some people reacting to it. And there's that one guy who gets really mad at the end that this is what this movie is about. <laughs> and I agree with him. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that brings up the question, what are your top favorite Orman films? So my top two, definitely, we've got It's About the Second Coming at the top and Exotic Ones at number two. So I I put, I actually wrote, we talked about it before and I wrote you a list hmm. of that. I switched around the order of the whole thing since okay. then. <laughs> so uh, my top two, or I, I guess I'll say my top three are, uh, I'm going to put the second coming first, and then please don't touch me, which I actually liked, and even though the message is gross. Yeah, see, me, I, I would agree with you that it is one of the most entertaining in the set, no question. It is propulsive, and I think the main lady's performance is very good. Uh, it's one of the most interesting to talk about in the set. It just definitely the messaging kind of repulsed me. So it's lower in my list, but entertainment wise, I would put it near the top as well. Yeah. And then my number three is edge of tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> Schmitty. <laughs> uh, that probably goes in, in my top half anyway. I love that one so much. I put it just above the burning hell because I do like the burning hell a lot. It's just Perkle in his <laughs> in his groove. Mm. <laughs> he, yeah, believers heaven. He's he's. I think he might be on something. Like he's he, mad. He might just even be high on life, but <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't seem to be high on life. He not, seems not to be very angry. Yeah. Uh, he he just is mad. He he's not happy to be talking about heaven at all <laughs> until uh, he gets to hell and it's like oh man and all these people are in hell this guy is gonna think that you're john the baptist and he's gonna cut off your head <laughs> oh yeah there's so much weird shit in that but yeah <laughs> those keeps are like dropping his change i like i would put believers heaven pretty close to burning hell as well those two and maybe white lightning road 40 acre feud those would I be the ones 40 acre feud there. a fair bit yeah. because yeah those are all music. fun pretty good music wasn't a huge fan of white lightning road i did actually <laughs> put girl from tobacco row below the sacred symbol but they're girl from tobacco row is way down at the bottom yeah it stinks it sucks they, total fucking crap tobacco row was like maybe the worst movie i ever saw well tobacco row is the sacred symbol the same structure where it's like surprise this is a church <laughs> surprise you're in church for the movie uh <laughs> except that one it it was promising like a, an exploitation film at the start whereas the sacred symbol was it was always you were just going to be sitting in a room listening to someone drone on yeah. i didn't feel as much of a bait and switch there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and I, I rated it highly, but I can't remember anything about the exotic ones. But I must have liked it because I rated it as high as anything else. It's the one where they uh, go and there's an expedition led by a strip club to... Oh, right. To get the swamp thing. 
get the swamp monster and use it in the act. And then there's a lot of like part of it is that it's just kind of a sideshow of all the acts. So you get June Ormond doing her weird dance where she has a board that says LSD on her butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the lady doing her fire dance, and then she throws fire at the monster, and then the monster gets really mad, and I think he rips her in half. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. And yeah. doesn't the monster just get away, I think? Well, I believe so. I mean, yeah. the, the monster wasn't the villain. Yeah. <laughs> the lady was. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is the Ormond set. I do kind of recommend it as just a very fascinating watch. I don't think most of the films are good but they're oh. interesting they're very interesting to watch and i'm looking forward to digging into the other special features like the commentary tracks uh, i did also watch the lash larue tv special which is in the last disc which is also directed by tim ormond it's all right all right uh, yeah he was the hypnotist and please don't touch me yeah and the he the, uh, the ormonds directed some westerns of his way back in the day uh, he he was a Western star, obviously. Lash, he he had a whip, <laughs> right? And then you recently saw some movies where he didn't. Yeah, well, I saw one that he did and one that he didn't. There are two like sci-fi movies from the eighties that he's in: The Dark Power and uh, Alien Outlaw. Alien Outlaw, he's got a whip. Dark Power, he does not. Or maybe <laughs> it's the other way around. No, it's the other way around. Alien Outlaw, he does not have the whip. Uh, dark power he has a whip off for the he has a whip off against like an ancient aztec god for the power of the world or something i don't know <laughs> that sounds pretty fun I, I like that one <laughs> i had fun it's it's bad but i had fun uh. so we got one more movie to talk about nightmare beach umberto lenzi uh uh 1989 so pretty late in the uh slasher uh cycle but it feels earlier it, it's got some <laughs> of the meanness it's got some of the weirdness yeah uh this actually is an interesting uh companion piece to the orbit box and to the purple mm -hmm. uh series <laughs> yeah i didn't mention it last week because i wanted you to be surprised by it <laughs> <laughs> so the whole movie everything uh, we're, i'm gonna spoil it right at the beginning yeah, yeah. uh the killer is not john saxon and you are meant to 100 percent believe that it is yeah because john saxon is the guy who he's the cop in manatee beach <laughs> <laughs> there's signs that say daytona beach yeah uh and like it's spring break in miami but yeah. he he has manatee beach police on his car and stuff <laughs> and they say manatee beach over and over and over again <laughs> but he's the guy who framed the guy who is in the chair at the start yeah for the killing of uh we're gonna find out the the final girl's sister yeah the final girl's sister was murdered by I don't even know if we know who we did kill her. We don't find out for sure because it I, could. It could have been the priest. It could have been the priest, or it could have actually been Saxon. He might have actually. Done it could have that been one. Saxon. Yeah, but Saxon pins the murder on him because he's a lazy bad cop. Yeah. Seems to be more the deal, and then uh, he's just kind of dealing with the blowback of that because the guy in the opening scene we have this leader of a biker gang being Diablo. 
the leader of the demons. And they have the <laughs> demons. Like the logo is from is the logo for the demons movie. Um, oh shit! <laughs> the one we watched. Oh man, yeah, that's right. I knew it looked familiar. That's hilarious. That's fucking cool. I mean, this <laughs> is you know Italian production, Umberto Lenzi. He's, uh, I think he's under a different name or something. Maybe not. No, it's co-directed by a guy called Harry Kirkpatrick. Hmm. hmm. Don't know unless who that that's is. It, it. Could be. Uh, it could be a pseudonym. A lot of Italian filmmakers use american-sounding pseudonyms oh okay these. so that could just be what it is i i don't know from wikipedia here <laughs> uh but, but yeah uh he they they execute the guy and he obviously swears revenge oh yeah he's like i'll come back and get revenge on all of you as saxon <laughs> just watches sinisterly well he he's yelling it at the sister which seems really unfair. The victim's yeah. sister, she didn't have anything to do with it. No, she <laughs> she's a victim. Yeah. So he, I mean, he is a bad guy. Oh, it's yeah, not for like, sure. It's not like they pinned the crime on someone who was totally innocent. He was obviously a pretty bad guy. So when someone shows up with an electric chair on a motorcycle, they're like, <laughs> maybe it's <Ooh>. this vengeful ghost. <laughs> who got killed by an electric chair? <laughs> yeah. He's 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 getting his revenge. Yep. Uh, so that's the next thing we get, right? <laughs> uh, well, first we introduce a few of our characters. We have like the long intro scene where we we meet all spring these break! different yeah <laughs> spring break. We meet all these different hot people, and at this point, we still aren't sure which of them are going to become characters and which of them are just stock spring break footage. Right. So I guess our main guys are these two football dudes. One of the dudes has just blown the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, he is like, it's never explicitly said, but I think he's supposed to play for the Miami Dolphins. So everybody in town hates him. Yeah, he is. And he is. He knows it. He is low. He is down. And his buddy's like, yeah, dude, spring break. Woo! He's one of those guys. He's really trying to talk him up. He's really looking forward to having tons and tons of sex. So That's his whole sex. plan. Yeah. He like th- takes like this pile of condoms from his bag and dumps it on his friend. He's like, you better use all of those. I'm going to use all of these this weekend, bro. <laughs> uh, and so obviously one of them is going to have to die and the other one will have to be uh, trying to avenge him. I was shocked at how quickly the best friend got killed. Yeah, it's like the first guy to go. First uh, guy. Second. Se- first guy, yes. Second kill overall. Yeah, second kill, first guy. Because uh, we have just sort of a, an establishing kill where we yeah. see the let's see how the <laughs> how the electric chair works. Yeah, so it's a bike. It's a two-seater. But uh, it's like a science fiction two-seater. It's kind of hard to explain. It uh, looks like... So uh, I, I there's there's a GI Joe toy, the Dreadnought Cycle. It looks like the Dreadnought Cycle. You got like this really big extra back seat <laughs> that yeah. is an electric chair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and handles that like the back person can touch can touch. And on the front, yeah, he's got like a big red button. <laughs> <laughs> the electrocution button, of course. The electrocution yeah. button. And of course, our slasher, he is head to toe in black leather with a uh, black helmet, and you can't really see through the visor, like a dark visor. Yeah. Sometimes uh, mirrored. Yeah, a uh, red helmet, actually. A uh, red helmet. Yeah. Right. So you can tell him apart from any other biker. Yeah. 
and he's yeah it's like this fancy bright red bike he's got yeah with this crazy motorcycle attachment on the back or it, uh, electric chair attachment on the back so he it, picks up a hitchhiker just a random hitchhiker yeah and they do the whole banter thing and then he just electrocutes her yeah there, there's this person is just a totally random choice he just picks up someone who happens to be hitchhiking and he goes down the highway and then he stops and we have this crazy electrocution moment and uh yeah people, the effects are nuts <laughs> by the way yeah she explodes she just... yep <laughs> and it's around here we start meeting our actual main characters we've got dog who is the i guess second in command now the leader of the demons and he thinks that Saxon has framed well, he knows that Saxon has framed him. And he's yeah. he thinks Saxon's doing all the killings. Right. Uh, uh this is Luis Valderrama. I wonder if he's the dad of Wilmer Valderrama. I was wondering about that if that he was 70s related. Show. I wonder. It doesn't say anything on his IMDB page, so maybe not. <laughs> uh Let's see, we've got this uh, curly blonde, curly haired blonde lady who just keeps taking all these different guys up to, into her hotel room. And is like, right. Running gag. Uh, <laughs> it's really cross, funny. The, the weekend sex worker, she's got a, a different story for each of them <laughs> that she's trying to do. And then, you know, we, we have her catching the guy and then her going to bed with him and then the next morning see her come back out and it's some new story that she's going to go do and like, I can't wait to get on the bus and go start my new life. And <laughs> then we see her go to her uh, apartment that's right next door. And she's just like, she's with three other girls and they're like <laughs> running a scam. Yeah. The guy's always like, Oh, well, like puts a check into her pocket. And like, this will help you get through law school. I think. Yeah, or, sure. You get to med school and save all those people. I mean, it, it is a uh, it, it is a spring break scam she's running, or or not even a scam. It's just she is. This is her spring break business. One hundred percent. These guys know what they're actually paying for. Oh, very <laughs> likely. Yeah, it's just you know a little bit of play acting to make it more fun. Yeah, um, there's this peeper who works at the hotel who keeps spying on her room, uh, and he's got like yeah this peephole in a laundry closet. Yeah, uh, it is very funny when she finally catches him because he has been killed by the killer by that point, <laughs> and they she just finds his dead body propped up against the, the eye hole. Yep, the uh, slasher stuff in this like this is obviously a late slasher, so a lot of the stuff is it's well worn territory. They're playing with stuff that everybody's seen before, so they do it with verve. Mm -hmm. We've got the guy who keeps pranking that he's dead. I hate this guy. Yeah, I mean, we know what's going to happen to him eventually. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's obviously going to get it. What's weird is there's also the pickpocket thief guy who keeps showing up and stealing stuff. I don't think he ever gets got, does no, he? No, he does not get got because I wrote a list of everybody who I thought might be a dead meat. And then I wrote in a different color how they get killed. He doesn't die. It's crazy that he never gets taken out because he's such a dick. There's this obnoxious dude stealing all over the place. There's a lot of people who don't die, actually. But there's well, I mean, it's spring break. Yeah. So there's just 
hundreds of people everywhere and a bunch of them are Shelleys. Like the, we have our main Shelley, you know, Shelley from Friday the 13th. Uh, oh. Who the prank guy yeah. who's who constantly does the thing. He he's always showing up like the first time he's in the pool and he pretends to be uh dead with like a wound on him and he pops out of the water after the lady screams like, <laughs> got you, got you. <laughs> it's just a joke. And <laughs> his thing every time, nobody ever laughs. Nobody ever finds anything he does funny, but he always goes on. <laughs> it was just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when he, when he takes like the fake shark fin and is pretending to be a shark and the cops start shooting him. And it's like, oh shit, there's there's a shark, and they start to shoot. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold your it's fire. A prank, it was bro. just a joke. It's just a prank, bro. What the yeah. hell, bro? And like even at that point, it doesn't stop him. Then he has another one when there's already known to be a killer running around killing people. And by that point, there's a crowd who's mad at him and are going to actually beat him up. <laughs> yeah. And and of course. <laughs> it's the most I've ever seen uh, a Shelley type do. Just the incredible escalation. Uh, yeah, and then of course you know when he finally gets got, he gets got off screen, and they just find his body, and they don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, necessarily. You you find him with his neck cut, and they're like, no, he's not dead yet. He's dying, and they don't believe him. So nobody tries to help him. He's got yeah. like I think he flashing. He's like, uh, 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 uh. yeah. Then he like, get out of here. And then he is dead. And they're like, oh, he's actually dead. Uh, we have the preacher, uh, the preacher's daughter who is 18 now, and he's not the boss of her. That's right. Uh, she does not get got for what's going to be obvious reasons. Right. Because uh, the preacher is the killer. So the preacher's I, the I killer. Think we, we did sort of allude to this already. Uh, he is killing for moral reasons uh it's spring break and it's uh, just uh, such a fucking den death. of sin <laughs> death to all teenagers who fuck it's just just straight up or death to all teenagers, teenagers who fuck who kind of crap yeah you, you can't well i he he's got purple style morality so <laughs> he does everybody's bad who isn't his form of christian so my head canon is that this guy grew up watching purple I, a lot of people did <laughs> <laughs> and he's that's, like yeah, that's the scary thing guy. yeah <laughs> so yeah that that's kind of his thing it, it turns out he's been electrocuting though we've had no suggestion of it we've seen this guy constantly harping on his is it his daughter or his niece uh his daughter it is his daughter why does he have a daughter oh huh. maybe it is his niece uh but anyway uh, he uh, he's he's really mad at her wanting to go out and party and stuff because it is spring break and why wouldn't she she lives in miami beach yeah manatee beach <laughs> fuck i always forget <laughs> i forget it's not supposed to be a real place <laughs> yeah so there's this bartender who just fucking hates all the spring break people this is uh, fair enough yeah. This is a realistic character. <laughs> yeah, she works here and she fucking hates it and she is just so done with the customer service space. So she yeah. just... <laughs> uh, This is Gail. Yeah, she is our final girl, although we also get a final guy. Yeah, uh, who's one of the two football guys. Yep. 
and uh, these two, these two are like instantly attracted to each other because they both are done with it. Yeah, they're both totally fed up. Neither of them want to deal with any of this shit. They're both pretty uninterested in all of this spring break nonsense. But uh, he's there. Well, it's it's also he's totally hated by everyone, and she could not care less about football. Yeah, yeah, like. Like, she doesn't care that he did a bad football. She's never heard of him. Yeah. Whereas, like, everybody else she, who runs into him is like, you, you're the guy who blew the game. And she's like, football? Who could give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> Her whole who could give a shit energy is uh, uh, on the same level as his. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they they meet, uh, establish, establish connection, and establish that, of course, she hates the friend Ronnie who sucks he does suck she's right to hate him he's really obnoxious it's okay he won't be around long no in fact uh first he's gonna get beat up by the biker gang for i don't know why i don't remember why he starts some kind of stupid shit with them Uh, they're i can't remember exactly how it pans oh he there there's a girl and he's oh, like, it's the fucking biker, the biker chick. Yeah, she takes him down an alley to pretend like she's going to get it on with him, but it's a trap and they swarm him and beat the shit out of him. And there's a thing like, oh, you thought you were going to sleep with one of our girls? And then, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they beat him up and then he's left on the ground for the biker. Yeah, the. So he's still mad. So he starts trying to fight the biker, not realizing that it's a different some biker. random other person. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he... and he accidentally falls on the controls of the electric chair and kills himself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is where we get introduced to the medical examiner, who's one of my favorite characters. Oh, I love this guy. This guy is. This guy has a drinking problem. This is Michael Parks, uh, who he, he's a real legend. You might know him from Kill Bill. Oh, who was he in that? He's the cop. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> he's, he's like the main cop who's investigating the case. He's the guy who's got uh, all of the sunglasses on his uh, dashboard, like a row of sunglasses. Right, right. And yeah, he's the guy investigating. And he also plays the Mexican drug lord. Like he's got a dual role. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's him. He doesn't have a lot to do here. He is a drunk medical examiner who's very put upon because uh, they're trying to have him cover up all these murders because it's not good for spring break. Yeah. (laughs) I can't close the beach on 4th of July. It's spring break. Yeah. And then Sax is like, probably just spilled some beer on himself and then lit himself on fire. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Yeah. uh, They... They start burying the bodies over the county line. They just yeah. go take them out to a beach and bury them in the sand. In the phosphorus mines. In the phosphorus, that's what it is. Because <laughs> that's where he has to go dig them up later. Yeah. Um, uh, the, just that the, they have this whole conspiracy angle to it is extra funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like the conspiracy, the killer isn't in the conspiracy. No, of course not. The killer's just some random dude. It, it, it is weird because Saxon does 
on some level seem to think that it is a ghost after him. <laughs> well, they, they ask the preachers, like, is there any chance that this guy came back from the dead? And he's like, maybe. It's a possibility. I mean, it's obviously the, the, uh, excuse he's trying to use but he doesn't want to play into the play into his own hand too much now, yeah. it might be obvious yeah. but they're not even close to him oh no not at all <laughs> well they're not close to anyone because they're not trying to solve the case at all no they're, they're just, just trying, just to... trying to, they're trying to hide the case that's all they want to do yeah yeah uh, so skip starts looking for looking for his buddy and I finds mean, you figure it would be kind of big news if a guy on the Miami Dolphins was killed, was murdered at spring break in Miami. Well, you know, these three idiots are real good at covering up shit like that. They're not. No, they're not. So uh... yeah, that's anyway, yeah, he they they bury him in an unmarked grave in a phosphorus mine. Uh that they'll probably totally get away with. Uh and so yeah he starts to look for him and he hooks up with gail again yeah uh he runs afoul of the bikers because the biker chick has ronnie's medallion so it's like what right. did you do with them and they're like we actually don't know we just beat him up yeah we just beat that guy up uh whatever else happened to him wasn't us uh meanwhile the killer kills two people in the hotel room the the peeper with the garrote i love he just walks into the closet and like snaps the wire and the guy's just like, oh. <laughs> and then uh, when then the... she this is where she finds the dead, you know, like his yeah. his head dead at the peephole. And she goes around into the closet and she like the body falls over. Like, ah! <laughs> then she runs into the elevator and the killer like comes he's down up from in the... the top <laughs> he's above the elevator. Yeah. And he comes down with like this cable that he cut that who knows what it's connected to but it's a live wire and he sticks it in her mouth yes yeah, somehow one of the live cables of the elevator he has pulled down and he shoves <laughs> it in her mouth to electrocute her because electrocution is his thing yes mainly mainly uh well yes ma mainly electrocution it's usually it's what part he of does. his it's part of his explanation later that he feels he is now a guardian angel and that sinners should die death by electrocution yeah specifically that's that's the way that sinners should die uh, i don't know <laughs> they they meet the cop or the two guys meet the cop or not the cop um the doctor and find out that he's been covering up the death the uh, medical examiner yeah the medical examiner yeah who's just got like not a flask of whiskey he's got like a fucking giant bottle he keeps in his coat yeah, I I don't know. Like, it feels like a Cameron Mitchell drunk roll in this. Like, he he almost only exists on the other end of a phone in an office that like could be shot anywhere. He is just pounding booze back. It like I don't know where where Michael Parks was at this point in his career, but it does feel like the '80s Cameron Mitchell performances where he just actually was drunk in a room. <laughs> And then, yeah, they, they talk to him a couple times and finally he gets to, he doesn't really perform it that much, but he says that he's overwhelmed by it and he shoots himself, but he just seems bored by being in the movie. <laughs> at that point. Yeah. He phones the mayor. He's like, I can't do this anymore, mayor. 
he then- literally phones in his suicide scene <laughs> we hear it like it's so phoned in like we don't see the suicide happen that i really yeah, thought we- the doctor was gonna just come back and be the killer yeah it feels very flat it's just him like oh well it's time for me to go. I've decided that things are bad. And we cut to the other end of the phone and we hear it. And they go, oh, God. And yeah, there's a lot of room for him to have come back and been the killer. And maybe that's why they did it that way. I kind of feel like it's he didn't want to be in the movie anymore. And they just <laughs> they only had the one set that he was in. And they only had him for like one day. So... They just couldn't write him back in anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> but he does tell them about the phosphate mine. Yeah. So they go and find the body and it's all electrocuted and burned. Yep. And then Saxon pulls up in his car. He's like, hey, you just put Stay that body right back where you found it and you leave town. Yeah. Get out of Manatee Beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why aren't you trying to solve the killer? Spring breaks over. <laughs> He's like, none of your business. No reason. It's unrelated. It's a different <laughs> thing. Uh, because he covered up the crime. Well, that's really obvious he covered up the crime. Everybody yeah. sort of knows he covers up the crime. I think that's why he's acting really shifty, is that he's worried people are going to find out. But everybody knows. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not a secret. <laughs> no. Like, it is known that he is a bad cop by everybody. Yeah, I don't really get any of his game in this, but it, it doesn't work out great for him anyway. Uh, so next is uh, Diablo's girlfriend is uh, killed. Oh, no. Next is a random girl. This is the oven. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Gruesome. He, yeah, this one is... Uh, he just finds a random girl in an RV, knocks her out with a piece of uh, metal, and takes her to this like giant factory oven thing chains her up in front of it and then just it belches fire at her and your face fucking melts your face burns and melts and like yeah he opens her up in front uh, he opens up a blast furnace in front of her yeah that's like, what it is yeah what what was that about like I, I it just, it's out of nowhere it might have been like a reshoot that they just needed to pad or add an extra kill because it is out of nowhere it has nothing to do with anything else and this character hasn't shown up yet and it doesn't get referenced yeah, like it's just it's disconnected to anything. Uh-huh. But then he goes after Diablo's girlfriend. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, the, the annoying one. chick, the one who had the medallion, the one who caused the guy to get beat up. She's been very obnoxious in this movie the whole time. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> what happened <laughs> in the biker gate in the biker fortress? Uh, they're all like, "Oh man, we're gonna go raid the police station and." Because, you know, they're trying to pin this crime on us. They kidnapped the, or kidnapped, they arrested the second in command, and he's in jail right now. Yeah. And the biker They're going to go on a Yakuza raid. They're going they're <laughs> going on a Yakuza raid. Yeah. And they leave her behind because she took too long to get off the couch. Yeah, she's, she's uh, wasting time. So she's just, like, sitting around listening to music. And who should show up but someone in a complete biker outfit that... I guess she sort of thinks it's maybe Diablo back doing all these killings, too. I'm not sure why. assumes that this guy is Diablo and is like, I still have that tattoo. Like, 
Yeah, of course you do. It's a tattoo. It's a tattoo. You're, <laughs> you're not going to get it removed, I don't think. Uh, not in like the couple weeks since <laughs> I was executed. But it's not him. It's not uh, him. And he, he kills her. He electrocutes her with like, I guess it looks like a telephone cable, but. Yeah, he just, like, I don't know how he does it. He's just pulling live wires out of walls all over the place and stuffing them in people's faces. Her eye pops out of her head. Yeah, it's gross. The <laughs> very intense gore in this that's very sudden, because uh, you don't have a lot of it, but each time it comes out, it, it is uh, much more elevated than anything you'd get any of the Friday the 13th movies by this time, which were heavily, heavily censored and cut down. Yeah, yeah, like that, oh man, the face melting with the furnace, that was really good. Yeah, it's quite intense, like very good effects, very crazy effects. Like, they don't look silly, it's just they're absurd because they're so heightened and just <laughs> like, it's kind of a silly movie. The movie has a silly tone to it otherwise like you have the comedic sex worker you have the peeper you have the <laughs> stupid football bros but one of them gets murdered <laughs> well he gets blooper murdered he he fell on the, <laughs> the switch and killed himself yeah <laughs> uh there's there's a bit where gail and skip go into saxon's trailer and they find all the photographs of the corpses. And, right. And then and, it's him. He's the one who did it. Yeah. One of the corpses they find is her sister or the, right. the photographs. And she like gets all enraged and rips it up, which is how Saxon finds out that they've been in the trailer. Yeah. A stupid choice in a couple of ways. Uh, and But then things all sort of come to a head. Yeah, this is like they all is it is it outside his office that this is the tire yard that everybody has the big climactic meetup? Um, I, it's a junkyard. Yeah, mm. uh, Gail's dad owned this junkyard and she technically owns it now. Uh, and Skip's got this whole plan where like they're doing rocky talkies and using her as bait to try to trap her in the place, but then he can't get to the place where they're trying right. to trap the killer because it's excessively complicated. It's stupid, Just, but they get there. <laughs> yeah. They, they ultimately get there and the, it, it turns out it's the reverend. Yeah. Shock. Oh, oh right. The bikers just haul Saxon off, uh, dragging him oh, behind right. their bikes on chains. Yeah, that's right. He gets road hauled. I forgot about that. Yeah. That is pretty great. Cause uh, they, they still think, uh, he's been the one doing this stuff. So well, they go out and they fucking get him. Even if, it's not even just that they think he was doing this. They know correctly that he framed their leader well, yeah. for that shit. Right. They they know it was a frame job. Well, they've always known it was a yes. frame job because he was fucking he hammered. It was cold. <laughs> yeah. So they kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they kill him. They, the priester ends up chasing him on their bike and they running away from him. And his bike hits a tire and sends him flying into the power lines and he gets electrocuted right and yeah that's that's it <laughs> yeah he 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 just uh <laughs> like again it's a blooper death just like the <laughs> the the football guy he is chasing them and he screws up and he gets electric he falls on something it's the same ending of gaga where like the guards right. in the sidecar are like 
oh man, you're a hero. Now report to your execution. (laughs) (laughs) And they just fall over. Yeah. Uh, And and Skip and Gale live happily ever after. Oh, for sure. They they leave town. (laughs) You're going to go back to Ohio and live a non-sinful life away from the sinful beaches of Florida. We've seen the light because of Reverend Bates. <laughs> I'm an avenging angel of the Lord. Everyone must die death by electrocution. I mean, if this was an Ormond's film, he would be the hero at the end. Like <laughs> even if he did tragically die in his motorcycle electrocution accident, like these two people are saved by his preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was all justified oh for sure because all of those other people he killed they were going to go to hell anyway <laughs> yeah otherwise they would have <laughs> repented by now yeah uh yeah just a hell of a thing a very strange movie <laughs> and one that is a uh, good contrast to all of the the ormond stuff that we were watching also something we didn't mention great score by claudio Samanetti of goblin every time the uh, preacher shows up on his uh, electric chair motorcycle. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This like, cool guitar, thrashy rules. Yeah, Good it's shit. a lot of fun. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, uh, a recommend. This is one I've seen a few times, and I always enjoy it. So, do you have any last thoughts on uh, any of those seven films before we move on to our third and final section? Oh, I wish they'd stop showing Perkle films in hell. I feel like that that would be almost good because you would be falling asleep even in the flames. Oh, man. <laughs> so many of these Perkle films did put me to sleep. Because they're church. It is just like being in church. He is just hammering the same point home so many times because he expects you to fall asleep and come back and still be hammering the same point home. (laughs) That's why you do all the repetition, because people aren't going to be paying attention the whole time. (laughs) Oh my god, it's so... Built in. I didn't even... That's why they do it that way. I (laughs) thought you were supposed to listen to the whole thing. Who's got time? (laughs) Everyone, because you make time for church, otherwise you're going to hell. Yeah, but you're sitting there, you've got other thoughts. Look at all the daydreams that they're having when they're in church in these movies. I'm daydreaming about hell. I don't like it here. Hell's hot and I'm not having any fun. (laughs) There's no spring break. Yeah, it's too bad. I wish I could be in uh, heaven where it's constantly summer and always daytime. That's nothing like hell. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, on to part three. And we're back for our third and final section where we're talking about all the other physical media we've watched in the past week and deciding what we're going to cover next week. So first up, we've got uh, Top Knot Detective. This is... Oh, the samurai one. It's samurai. Uh, it's no. like... It's a, it's a mockumentary. Oh, Okay. So it's an it's actually an Australian movie, uh, and it's about this TV series, this fictional '70s or '80s Japanese 
TV series called Top Not Detective that's just super zany and has a big Australian cult following. So it, it doesn't actually exist, right? Right, it's, right. It's a mockumentary. And then there's them doing like a behind the music style look into the history of the TV series and all the drama and how it ended. And then it turns into a true crime parody for a bit. Okay. Uh, I love all the stuff that is actually the show, which I kind of just wish they'd made a bunch of stuff with the show. Cause the show's fucking crazy. All of the stuff they have is really fun. Uh, Cause it's you just played with yeah every type of, uh, uh japanese television they're, they're just playing with all of it you showed me a clip uh, when you were watching it uh this horrible grisly brutal bloody murder blood everywhere and again it's the guy has a detective a note and says actually i killed myself yeah uh, <laughs> ah. uh yeah that uh they're <laughs> the the show has a, like a built-in time loop and then there you know it, it keeps going through retcons and stuff there's a part where there's this guy time striker who is a pro baseball player with a baseball bat that can like knock people through time and shit okay. obviously you have him fighting <laughs> kaijus you got uh, there there's a, a part where he's doing cigarette commercials uh there's a, there's a very fun you can find just it as a like posted as if it's a lost promo of a cigarette promo from the 80s that's how, sort of how it's posted on youtube and it's just some oh, okay. little kid trying to smoke a pack of cigarettes and uh <laughs> the main guy comes in and he just beats the kid down he's like <laughs> they're not for sale for uh for people under the age of 18 because it causes these problems and it's just like a list of all of the uh issues caused by smoking while he is yeah. stomping the kid and like blood spat <laughs> spattering on the lens uh and then he turns to the camera but if you're over the age of uh 18 you can enjoy the the uh, smooth taste of whatever and it's like a sutafu cigarettes because uh <laughs> sutafu is his company right his, his family's <laughs> company which is stuff you know sutafu oh, <laughs> oh my god yeah i yeah. hear it now Stuff. <laughs> 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 uh next we've got the brainiac uh i predicted i would have fun with this and i really did it was a lot of fun <laughs> it's okay. pretty stupid it's a really, really bad rubber mask. Like, it's so obvious. It, <laughs> it, I'm looking at the picture. Does it look like the picture? It does look like the picture. Like, nice. I, I had you click through to the page last week and take a look at the actual screenshot from the movie with him. At the right. Top. Oh, yeah. That's it's right. funny. I, I, I'm, I'm like <laughs> seeing it for the first time all over again. It's amazing. <laughs> so, like, he 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 puts on the mask and he or he doesn't put on the mask the the creature has this rubber face right and sure. uh, the, the the person wearing the mask breathes in and it kind of pulses with their breathing in and out but it really looks like it's a mask that is being pulled in and out by someone breathing in it uh <laughs> it's got tentacles it sucks out people's brains uh, yeah, it's it's this baron who was killed by the Mexican Holy Inquisition for satanic acts and shit. Ooh. 
nobody expected the Mexican Holy Inquisition. Right. I mean, this is contemporary, right? It's supposed to be like in the 1600s, so same time as the Spanish Inquisition's going on. Right. Mexico being a very Catholic country, I guess they had some mm-hmm. sort of equivalent. Uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so there's this baron, he gets executed, and he obviously swears vengeance. Uh, and at that point, there's this comet going overhead. So he catches a ride on the comet, his spirit, his evil spirit, catches a ride on the comet, oh, okay. and yeah. comes to the present. You know, 300 years past, the comet goes by again. He comes back as the brainiac. He's eaten the brains of all the people, uh, the descendants of the people who sentenced him to death. Oh, it's fun. It's really <laughs> bad looking. Like the, the the effects are terrible, but you know, it's a guy in a rubber suit sucking people's brains out. I'm having a good time. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Next from the Lost Films, the the Vinegar Syndrome Lost Picture Show set. We've got uh, No Tears for the Damned, a.k.a. the Las Vegas Strangler. Oh. So it's a, it's slasher. Or it is like a proto-slasher. It's from 1968. It's post-psycho. It's definitely doing psycho, but with boobs. Mm. <laughs> uh, boobs are all right. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's a completely a crap exploitation movie. It is <laughs> adjacent to Steckler and... Herschel Gordon Lewis and uh, Al Adamson. One of the guys from this is one of the dudes from Psycho A Go Go, and who's in just all of those, all of the early oh. Adamsons, like the main dude, uh, it, like, he, the the killer in it. He is like an Adamson guy, right? Uh, and there, there's like an there, there's sort of an inciting incident where he's this guy and he's the Gene type. You know, he's heavily overmothered. And he ends up marrying this prostitute because he gets in a fist fight at a bar over this other guy treating her mean after she okay. pickpockets him. Like she's so she is this girl who has kind of just been like she's the the quote unquote stepdaughter of the bartender lady who's this grizzled old face. Uh, and she's just working there as a sex worker and, and a bartender, I guess she lives there. I don't know. (laughs) Not very clear, but she, she turns tricks in people's cars outside sometimes in the bar. And one of the guys she goes out with is a very young John Bud Cardos. You might remember from a bunch of the Adamsons. He's, he's in the documentary quite a bit. Okay. Um, Ah, the name rings a bell. I'm sure it's been a while. Actually, it's been a while. We should do some of those again. Yeah. Uh, so the guy gets in a fist fight with him and knocks him out. And then because uh, he's like after she picks his pocket, like she she lifts $20 out of his pocket after having sex with him. And then he comes back in and gets in a fight. So he gets punched out. And then the the loser guy like the 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 sex worker wakes up the next day with a wedding ring on her finger and she's like oh what did i do <laughs> but he doesn't really have sex with her at any point because he's just off he's on a killing spree he's killing women uh mostly women who remind him of himself as a kid oh, okay <laughs> there's, there's sure this, 
there's this painting in his house. Oh, he's like, he's a very smothering mom figure as we get in these sort of movies. Uh, but she's still present. Like she's not a dead body. Like she is in psycho. Right. Okay. okay. So she's there disapproving of the new wife, which is why I guess he isn't sleeping with her and he's just going out and killing people instead. But it's not like, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with her. Uh, Cause there's this painting of him and his mother and it's him as like, a spoiled Victorian child with long hair and he's very overdressed and he looks excruciatingly posh and he looks girly. And every time he's going to kill someone, he has flashes of the painting of himself. So it's like, they remind him of what he looked like as a kid as ladies. (laughs) So they kill, so he kills them. Okay. I know it's weird. There's there's also a gay guy that he kills who hits on him. Uh, it's it's strange it's a vegas yeah. one so it's all vegas strip stuff an early oh, vegas cool. strip so it's still like mobby vegas strip this is 68 oh interesting all right it, original title the las vegas strangler odd because there's practically no strangling within it <laughs> he's uh uh stabbing i think I, i'm trying to remember he, there is a specific thing that he does all every time i think i think it is stabbing i can't remember sure it's not electrocution it's not electrocution in this one no they definitely did not have a budget for electrocution there is one electrocution though there is one where he throws a toaster in a hot tub but mostly i think it's slashing i believe he cuts Mm. throats Uh, i mean if it works yeah uh i mean it's it's bad but it was compelling (laughs) next is psycho 2 the very latter day sequel came out 33 years after the first. So how necessary or good is this sequel? I would say that it is a lot better than I expected it to be. It's very well made. Uh, It's, I mean, most surprisingly, it's a whodunit. It leaves you guessing. It's like, who's, who's the slasher? Is it, it's not Norman? (laughs) Is it? Uh, Um, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So it's, uh, it's very beautifully shot. You got Dean Cundy. He's like, uh, he he's uh, John Carpenter's guy. I think he's right. Spielberg's guy later on. Uh, it's uh, it's got some serious gore. Like it's an actual slasher. You know, it's eighty three. The slasher wave is high, so it's sort of reaching back to the past. And you've got Perkins back as the character as Norman. He's hmm. finally let out of the mental institution. Uh, oh, now they'll see, like he said. <laughs> yeah. And he's cured. They they feel that he's cured, and oh. he moves back into the house, and uh, Dennis Franz, I think, is the guy who's been running the motel, and he's been running it as a dirty motel, so he gets fired. <laughs> and then he gets slashed. He gets quite brutally murdered. But we don't see Uh-oh. who does it. So it's one of those. You you see a lot of killings, but you don't really know who's doing them. Some of them, it does seem like it's someone dressed as uh, Mama Bates. Uh, but you are also seeing him troubled by someone showing up as Mama Bates. Uh, Ooh. And there's Meg Tilly, I want to say, is a co-worker. At, he, he's given a work release program and he's at he's working at a diner before he decides to fire friends and take over the motel himself and run that 
so this uh, the waitress at the diner ends up moving in with him. Hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, and she's got problems. Uh, also, there's uh, the uh, uh, Lila. Remember Lila from the first one? Um, does the sister was yeah, Lila. Yeah. Uh, she she married Sam, but Sam has passed away since then, and she's okay. still protesting that Norman is allowed back out. Right. Yeah, she would have strong feelings about that. Yeah, she doesn't feel he should ever be let back out. So that's a whole other thread as well. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. Like it, it, uh, it treats everything very seriously. It, like, it is an actual slasher, but it constructs a narrative and it makes Norman the protagonist. He's the main character and he's, we're, we're sort of mostly seeing the story through his eyes. Interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah, pretty good. I'm curious. Next, we've got a different sequel, a bad one. Die Hard 2. Oh. Die Harder. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, it's, I mean, it's it is a um, Rennie Harlan film. He's just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> not not a director who I like. Uh, he also directed Deep Blue Sea. Right, uh, right. <laughs> I don't know. Lots of stuff. He's uh, the this one is like you've seen Die Hard too, right? Uh, I don't think I don't think I've even seen the first one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, crazy. Well, I, I should watch Die Hard this week. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Die Hard 2 is a Christmas movie, too. Okay, um, cool. The first two are... I don't know if any of the other ones are. Maybe the fourth one. Anyway, Die Hard 2, he's at the airport to pick up his wife uh, just before Christmas. And terrorists uh, take over the oh. airport. Oh, jeez. Obviously. So he's got he's to gotta fight the terrorists. Again! It's on oh. Christmas again. Oh, what a Keeps shock. Happening. How's this shit keep happening? Totally insane body count. There is a part where the terrorists uh, cause a jumbo jet to crash with all the passengers aboard and the whole thing goes up. Uh, just really crazy, stupendously stupid. This is peak action. It's 1990. You know they are they are in this era. This is the actual blockbuster stuff. So these are the ones with the gigantic budget compared right. to the lower budget stuff of McBain and uh, Stone Cold. So this is that amplified to billions. Uh, <laughs> crazy, crazy violent. None of it makes any sense. Um, <laughs> I, like not much of a plot really. I. I like I just watched this movie last week and I'm thinking about it. And I'm still picturing the ancient PlayStation diehard trilogy game where diehard <laughs> true was a rail shooter. And that was the perfect <laughs> version of the movie. <laughs> so, so he just runs around and shoots people and that's the movie. In other words, <laughs> that's most of it. I mean, there, there's, okay. there's a lot of other characters and you know, it's a, packed airport at christmas time and you right tons of production value but yeah it's not very good stupid okay. very stupid <laughs> uh next we've got kaka bakaba kaba kaka okay kaka bakaba kaka bakaba kaba yeah kaka bakaba oh, kaba uh which is 
Tagalog for Does Your Heart Beat Faster. It's a Filipino okay. film uh, from 1980. It is extraordinarily weird. Uh, we have this opening montage of this Yakuza who is trying to smuggle drugs from the Philippines to Japan, I think. Like he He's based in the Philippines and he's taking drugs to Japan and he just keeps going in different costumes and getting caught by customs. Okay. And it's like each time it's like a different decade. Like it goes, mm. it's black and white in the fifties and he's like really buttoned down. And then it cuts to the sixties and he's like got drugs hidden in a guitar. And, <laughs> and then, you know, by 1980, he's come up with a new plan. He's made a cassette tape of raw opium and he slips oh, it into this okay. dude's pocket. Sure. And then he's trying to, like, the whole movie is this guy, or just everybody trying to get this cassette tape back from these, this group of just idiots who end up with it. <laughs> you know, there's this one dude and his buddy and their two girlfriends, and they just happen upon this stupid cassette tape, and they don't know what it is because it got slipped into some dude's pocket. And they go and try and play it in their cassette player. It doesn't work. <laughs> and it's like, well, this thing isn't worth anything. It's just bullshit. It's just a blank tape. And they forget about it. And then they have no idea why any of this is happening around them. All right. <laughs> uh, it ends up being an international conspiracy. You've got a Chinese conglomerate, like some triads coming in, trying to get it. And you've obviously got the Yakuza clan going for it. Uh, the Catholic Church is involved. There's a whole... <laughs> musical sequence with nuns and priests in an underground bunker because uh that's where they're processing the opium and they're they're drug priests uh it's a musical by the way <laughs> weird strange all right a whole lot all of right. stuff I'm, I'm really <laughs> curious about that one uh next we've got the christmas martian this is a Canadian movie, a French Canadian movie. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's dumb. It's extraordinarily stupid, but I had a great time. Uh, I watched this with my parents. Uh, my parents are not people who are into so bad it's good cinema, but they were both laughing at how bad it was. Like they, they, they even found it funny. So it, it's in northern Quebec, and right. this Martian touches down. And Martian, it's this dude with some green netting on his face. He wears <laughs> green netting on his arms and green netting on his legs. And he goes, <laughs> all the time. Oh, my God. That's... So, sometimes he blows bubbles. Sometimes just bubbles are emanating out of him all the time. I don't really know why that's going on. <laughs> so first encounter, he breaks into a convenience store, steals like armloads of chocolate and takes off. All right. And then some kids follow him and then the kids become his friend and it's the kids hanging out with him at Christmas time. Okay. Uh, he, he leaves big green splotches in the snow, kind of like a cat in the hat sort of thing. Uh, he can teleport anytime he wants. There's one part where I think he can also shapeshift because there's a bit when he's being chased by all of the townspeople, all of the adults, because they think he's a menace. 
Right. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, (laughs) And uh, he teleports, and I think he transforms into a llama for a few frames. Because there's just like a pasted in image of a llama. Like, just like not, they didn't get a llama. They didn't get video footage of a llama. (laughs) They got a photograph of a llama that they pasted onto the screen for a bit. Sure. (laughs) Put some lightning effects around it. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's no plot. It's just him. <laughs> like they they get in his spaceship and they fly over the town a couple times. Uh, he he has candy shoot out of the walls of the spaceship, and then they're all covered in Smarties. I think. Uh, all right. <laughs> there, there's a bit where they steal a turkey. This guy goes and the, the lady goes like the turkey's disappeared, and the husband comes in like maybe you cooked it too long. that's so bad (laughs) Uh, I loved it but it's terrible (laughs) next also bad the Santa Claus Tim Allen as Santa Claus I remember not liking this I saw this in the theater when it came out Uh, I did too I think I found it amusing then but yeah, I mean, it doesn't hold up great. I do think the first, like, 15 minutes or so are very funny. Because hmm. it's like a short film. It, it's much like, um, I talked about this way back when I watched Last Starfighter the last time, that it's a very funny, dark comedy, super depressing short film if it ends with him killing Santa Claus. Because... <laughs> <laughs> It's him picking up his kid and it's his Christmas visit with his kid and he burns the shit out of the dinner and he totally blows it. And the kid is just, he's so used to his dad being a shitty fuck up weekend dad that he's constantly taking all of this in stride. He's like, yeah, next thing. And they go out for dinner and he takes him, tries to take him to a good restaurant, but everything's closed because it's Christmas. Right. And he ends up at Denny's. As as people tend to do. Yep. And uh, he's taken to a section with a bunch of other divorced dads and their kids who've also burned dinner and are just having a shitty Christmas. And they're out oh. of everything. They they don't have any of the festive stuff on the menu anymore. And it's like, chocolate milk? We're out of it. Regular milk. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get home and Santa, the, he, he tells him about Santa because... His new dad is a psychologist and has told him that Santa isn't real, and he doesn't like that. It's Judge Reinhold. And uh, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. <laughs> uh, and so he decides to tell him, no, no, Santa's totally real, and he's reading him uh, the uh, night before Christmas, before bed, and etc. And then they go to sleep, and Santa's on the roof in the night, and they come out, and he falls off the roof, and he fucking dies. <laughs> If the movie ended there, that would be pretty funny. Honestly, as a short film, that's solid. But then, of course, right. yeah, he he picks up then the card the and he, he puts on the suit and he he's contractually obligated to become Santa Claus. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he... it's unpleasant. It's very strange. I guess he learns a valuable lesson about being a dad. No, he he abandons the child. He he decides to become Santa Claus full time and realizes that the kid would be better off with the psychologist dad because he's pretty shitty at it himself. 
okay all right uh, <laughs> that's something that's not as bad next we've got the crimes of stephen hawk i immediately thought of stephen hawking trying to commit crimes yeah but i mean this is the 30s so it's well before he existed or he was any sort of known figure yeah so this yeah. is a fictional one uh the first two in the set were sort of this is another the uh crimes of todd slaughter uh indicator right box set. Uh, in the first two, we got Sweeney Todd was the previous one. And before that was uh, Mariah Martin, Murder in the Red Barn. Famous true crime cases. Obviously, right, right. very famous stage versions of them. And the thing was, I think Todd Slaughter was more known as a stage actor. And he was a big stage villain. And he was really known for Sweeney Todd. Big moneymaker, Sweeney Todd, for a stage thing. Mm. You know, you're doing hundreds of performances. You're just breaking it in. Yeah. So they're like, oh, yeah. we need a new character. What do we like? How do we invent one of these mustache twirling victims? Because we based them on real people in the past. We got to invent one. So they come up with the spine breaker. <laughs> this Stephen <laughs> Hawk is a serial killer. He is the spine breaker. And in the first scene, we see him. Although it's a while before we see him because there's this whole musical opening monologue by Flotsam and Jetsam. This vaudeville musical actor, uh, music hall comedy, I guess it would be in Britain. Uh, okay. And they just do a totally incoherent. I could not understand a word of his. Oh, everything is song. Uh, and it was obnoxious and it had nothing to do with anything. And it was like to set up a frame of it being a radio show thing. And then they interview uh, uh, Charles Slaughter, or Todd Slaughter about being in those other movies and it's like oh and now you've got this other character stephen hawk tell us about him and it's like oh i think he's going to be very interesting and then the movie starts i don't know i have no idea why they would do something like that <laughs> it's a right. strange way to start it anyway first time we see him he's lurking in a garden and a small boy walks up to him he's like oh come over here little boy and then we hear a scream uh, like we cut to a maid hearing a scream ah! and it's like <laughs> his spine's been broken it's the work <gasps> of the spine breaker and he's like he's got a giant furry hat like the mad hatter and he just goes and bends people in half to death <laughs> i mean you know for them decided like we got to come up with some sort of criminal <laughs> i'm i'm glad that that's what they came up with it's kind of fun in his everyday life he's ebenezer scrooge he's a money lender he pretends to be very charitable but he's secretly you know he's a money lender so he's doing his yeah. money lending shit uh of course and then yeah. he blows off steam from that by killing people by busting their spines all right <laughs> uh next we've got falcon lake this is another french canadian production uh, I think it's also, I, I don't know where it was made. It's sort of like a co-production, a uh, fairly recent film. And it is, how to describe this exactly? It, it's sort of a coming of age movie, like a summer romance thing, but it's a ghost story, but we don't know who Ooh. the ghost is. And okay. so it's a thing like people are talking about there's a ghost, but nobody really is able to find any evidence of there actually being a ghost. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure there's a ghost. And we get all these eerie lingering shots of 
just, you know, the blowing trees or uh, there's a couple people who are into being goth and spooky and they are doing ghost photo shoots. So we'll just cut to someone seemingly lying dead on the road and they'll just lie there for a while and then they'll get up and it's like, okay, how was that shot? And stuff like that. So it's very haunted. It always feels like something eerie is about to happen, but it's mostly about a romance between this 13-year-old boy and a 16-year-old girl he has a crush on. Okay. And he's kind of advanced for his age. He's, uh, you know, right. pretty uh, ahead of things, and she's awkward and uncomfortable, so they sort of are simpatico. Uh, it's very awkward, like, again, extremely awkward teen romance. There is, you know, mm -hmm. some extremely awkward first teenage sex stuff. Uh, very just uh, haunted, uh, sort of a weird haunted movie. It's It's more about empty spaces and long shots and sunsets and darkness. Okay, that sounds interesting too. I liked it. And last up, we got from the Sunny Chiba Collection Volume 2, Karate Warriors. Uh, also very heavily Man With No Name inspired. Has a lot of that oh, energy okay. from it. Uh, so you got sort of a Yajimbo type thing. He gets into, there. there's these two Yakuza gangs and there's this shipment of drugs that they're trying to get a hold of. That there's this one guy that they know has. So he's trying to get a hold of him, but he's also not befriended, but there's this kid that he runs into and his dad, who's an unrelated swordsman, who's like not a part of either group, but everyone's suspicious of him. Okay. So they think maybe he has the drugs and, you know, he's in the, he's in the sights, obviously, and there's this kid who someone is going to end up having to take care of ultimately, as you know, in these sort of things, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just tons of him fucking battling a bunch of Yakuza. Uh, he's, he's obviously got all sorts of schemes going so that he can end up with the riches. And it's, it's sort of the good, the bad and the ugly thing where, you know, it's, it's going to be in someone's grave at some point at the end. we just got to find where it's hidden. Right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, mostly katana battles, despite it being called Karate Warriors, because he got our <laughs> katana guy, and then uh, like Chiba does karate, but he'll he'll grab a sword, he'll slash some fucking hands off. Like I said, lots of cool oh, speed sure. ramping stuff. There's that bit that I mentioned earlier where uh, he he does a slash and it, it goes into ultra slow mo, and uh, you hear it connect in front of him, and then you see the guy's hand go flying off the screen. Super <laughs> cool. Nice. So those are our 11 picks for uh, the second part. What do you figure? Well, I'm not going to pick seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> I'm not going to do seven of them this time. Yeah, this was a catch up. And I mean, the Ormans are uniquely <laughs> capable of that because there's so yeah. little content in those movies. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot to talk about, but not a lot you gotta try to remember. No, there, there's minimal content. Like, we spent an hour talking about seven movies because <laughs> some of them, there was nothing to say. Uh, did, did, I don't even remember what we said about the sacred symbol. Mm, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's It sucks. 
Yeah, it sucks. Uh, so I'm sure that we're going to end up watching Top Knot Detective anyway. Uh, the next time we hang out, probably. Yeah, probably. It's a good time. Yeah. So it, uh, I'm not going to pick it. It would probably be kind of a tough one to talk about because it is documentary style. So it's just a bunch of fake interviews about a fake show and uh, well, fake yeah, drama. Well, yeah, that would be. Hmm. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this. Kaka kabaka ba kaba. Kaka. Kaka baka Oh my god, fuck. Kaka baka ba kaba. Kaka baka ba kaba. Okay, all right. So that's one of them. <laughs> Will your Just heart beat faster? Because it's fun to say. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's a completely insane thing. Then let's let's see what Psycho 2 is. Psycho 2. Uh, so are you thinking Kaka Kabaka Kaba and Psycho 2 or and also Karate uh, Warriors? And also Karate okay. Warriors, but I don't know if we'll go super in-depth on that one necessarily. Okay. Or maybe we will. Who knows? All right. So Kaka Kabaka Kaba, Psycho 2 and Karate Warriors, perhaps we'll uh, go yeah. into those. So uh, – in the main stacks, we have, let's see, uh, seven editions. Uh, first up is Dirty Money. This is another French-Canadian movie. Okay. Uh, it is a satire of 70s American crime cinema. So it's just a bunch Ooh. of, like, everyday Quebecois people uh, just committing a bunch of brutal crimes just for the hell <laughs> of it because it's the easiest way to get by. Uh just uh, people uh, screwing people over over small amounts of money. <laughs> uh, someone gets a small, gets a gift of five hundred dollars, and they think that they deserve more, so they attack this rich guy's house to get more, uh, and the robbery rapidly spirals out of control. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. On. Uh, next, the Curse of the Crying Woman, La uh, Maledicción de la Laronia. Uh, early 30s, or maybe this is actually a 60s version of La Laronia, uh, an actual Mexican production based on the, you know, the very, the Mexican ghost folktale. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, lady inherits a mansion and it's uh, just haunted as shit, <laughs> full of uh, all sorts of <laughs> evil ghosties. Nice. Uh, next, Voodoo Heartbeat. Or the sex serum of Doctor Blake. <laughs> this is the next one in the Lost Films box. Uh, it sounds like it's sort of a erotica version of uh, Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Okay, guy has a serum; it turns him into a beast, and he rapes and murders. Probably, and voodoo's involved, I guess. Sure, sure. <laughs> Next, obviously, we've got Psycho 3, the third one. This one's directed by mm. Perkins. Okay. It's interesting. Uh, he's still operating the motel, uh, trying to keep keep uh, keep up uh, appearances. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and then he starts a relationship with a long-term tenant, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Oh. Should be weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. 
Next, uh, It's Never Too Late to Mend, which is the next Todd Slaughter one, where it's about a, he, he plays an evil prison administrator. Obviously okay. going to be twirling a mustache and yep. fighting people. That's <laughs> what he does. Uh, next, we've got The Outwaters, which is a quite recent found footage film, found footage horror. Ooh. I think it's a 2022 or 2023. Uh, uh, 22, it looks 22. like. Some people hanging out in the Mojave Desert, uh, some sort of crazy psychedelic nonsense attacks them in the desert at night, I guess. Uh, I hear it's very chaotic and uh, intense and weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, and last in the Sunny Chiba collection, we've got the Oka the Great Okinawa Yakuza War. Uh, that sounds fun. That sounds pretty awesome. Just uh, gang war in Okinawa. Uh, all of the the Yakuza. <laughs> I think the thing is, he is a local Yakuza, and there is uh, people from the mainland trying to horn in on things. Oh yeah, He's fighting back against them. I see that Jiro Chiba. Uh, his brother is also in the cast, who is the main character of the first okay. one, was that? Right, right. Defensive power of Aikido. <laughs> so, uh, cool. what do you figure for our main pick next week? Well, uh, I had been thinking I kind of wanted I kind of wanted to stay away from Yakuza since we've done it for, what, like the last four weeks, five weeks? We've done a bunch. It's, it's yeah, been a even November thing. <laughs> even though i picked uh karate warriors so right. uh but let's see what? i haven't looked at these stacks and it feels like a really long time since we've been in here we did one the week before last but before that it was maybe august yeah right right because we did uh rodan i think yeah uh well why don't we do uh so keep in mind we were in january we will obviously be doing our resolution stacks we'll have more specific right, things yes. we'll be i guess uh among them we'll do something from the top something from the top three rows okay. uh we'll do uh, something continuing a series that we've been doing before i don't know what else um yeah right yeah those are always fun but you know what as soon as you mentioned continuing a series i decided what i want to do Funeral in Berlin. All right. So the next uh, Harry Palmer film, Michael Caine. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see. Where is that here? Uh, Talking about the B24 stroke 206 in Brazil got me thinking about him. Right. Yeah. Uh, I uh, Not something I own on physical media, so I didn't talk about it, but I recently watched Austin Powers in Goldmember where he's the dad. Weird oh, bit. Because yeah. he's basically parrot. He's basically playing Harry Palmer in that, but like, oh, okay, you know, an older Harry Palmer. He's dressed as Harry yeah. Palmer, and obviously, you know, Austin Powers is semi based on Palmer. He has the glasses. Mm. <laughs> he has kind of the same haircut, but he's he's got the outfit of um, Lazenby in uh, Honor <laughs> oh, Majesty's right. Secret Service. <laughs> uh, I gotta see that one one of these days. I've I never seen it it's it's decent it's got it's 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 yeah. uh mostly good but lazenby isn't <laughs> <laughs> so in funeral in berlin it is a guy hamilton film he's a guy who did direct a bunch of the james bonds okay uh 
so there's a Soviet intelligence guy who is uh, trying to uh, defect, I think. So they're sending Harry Palmer to determine whether or not he's actually trying to defect or if it's maybe some kind of double blind fake out kind of deal and or maybe they will smuggle him out if he is for real so he's in berlin to potentially smuggle someone through the wall oh yeah right the berlin wall is still very much a thing yeah uh, I have seen this one before. It is a little more of like a proper spy movie. It's, it's like a little closer to Bond than the first one, which is obviously very buttoned down and very paperworky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one is bonkers. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, next week then, Funeral in Berlin. Kaka Kabaka Ba Kaba, Psycho 2, and. <laughs> karate warriors should be a good time uh, again a bunch of different flavors this will be our uh this will be coming up right about new year's and uh obviously this episode is going to be showing up i don't know christmas eve or christmas day so merry christmas out there merry christmas or happy holidays or whatever i don't really give a shit <laughs> they're all good <laughs> just <laughs> not the ones that'll put you in hell <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely going to hell because uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I just laugh oh, at Perkle. Man. I laugh at Perkle a lot. Yeah, no. If we go by Perkle standards, I'm definitely going to hell. I'm super damned by Perkle. Oh yeah. All right. So, any last thoughts before we close until next week? Why didn't I listen to Perkle? I should have listened to Perkle. It's boring here in hell it's like being at the dmv forever (laughs) the wi-fi password is so long and it's hard to remember yeah just a a real hell of petty inconvenience (laughs) all right see you all next week